in five, four, three, two, one. Obi Trice, real name, no gimmicks. Who are you? He had a voice that could make a Wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute, I know you. You got the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your hubbubber. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited to feel these nipples. That boy's good. Mm -hmm. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos and motor hits, geek bloods, wastoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. Alright. Alright. Alright, alright. Alright. Welcome everybody, it is Wednesday, October 18th, this is the Mike Rutherford Show, we're coming to you once again from the world famous University of Louisville College of Business Studios, Cards fans, take your career to new heights with an MBA from the University of Louisville, the full-time MBA is an innovative 12-month program that accelerates your career trajectory with convenient in-person evening classes, competitive 11-month paid internship opportunities provide you with valuable industry experience, it's the MBA that pays, get started today and earn your degree in just one year. Visit business.louisville.edu to learn more. We're on the air today from 3.05 until 6 here on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM. Streaming all over the globe. You know us better as the Big X. Mike Rutherford's here. Justin Kalen, a.k.a. Scooter Dingus, is also here on this Wednesday edition. It's a lovely day outside. It's a, it was a little... It was cold this morning. I woke up. It was very much a pants and hoodie morning taking the kids to school. And even then, I was a little chilly. And then, like, four hours later, it's beautiful, and I, I had to switch to shorts. Uh, but it's no complaints here today. Are you still doing the – well, first of all, Scoot, how are you? I'm good. I, uh, I too, took notice of the weather, although when I woke up in Indiana on the other side of the river this morning, it looked like Halloween Town. The fog was the craziest I've ever seen it. There was literally Ooh. fog at ground level everywhere. It like was that. it was pretty wild. But, yeah, I was chilly. And then I actually – I walked outside after I was done with Spears today, and – my head instantly dropped because I was like, man, it is the perfect golf day. I was like, but got to come back here, do the Rutherford show. But I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. I'm just saddened that it's such a nice day outside and I could be golfing. I mean, way to drop the guilt on me two yeah. minutes into the radio Oh, yeah. Show. No, it's all your fault. Legitimately a minute and a half. You're basically like, I could be playing golf today if I wasn't doing your stupid-ass show all in your the fault. afternoon. Uh, my apologies. <laughs> you'll, be, you'll be free in a couple of days, and then hopefully TK will be back. On Monday, you never know for sure. You, no. you never know if he's ever coming back, but it's fine. Are you in your your? So you know, we're we're doing the thing at our house where we've not turned the heat on yet. We've Same. had a couple of chilly nights. Uh, woke up this morning; it was very cold. It was like sixty four in the house. Like I, I was like, ugh. But then we looked at the weather and we saw that it was going to be way too warm this afternoon. There's no point in turning it on and then just turning it back off a few hours later. It just wrecks the whole system. But do you guys, you and your roommate, do you do the whole thing where it's like we try to hold out as long as we can? Oh yeah. The Mark Weinberg thing, team holdout? Yeah, no, we, uh, there's been a few years where we've gotten down to 58, 57 or oh, so before we touch it. 
Um, I, I'm a, I'm of the mindset, and I don't know why, because it really doesn't cost that much energy or money to run your unit. Um, but I'm of the mindset you can put more clothes on if you're cold. So I'd rather be cold when I sleep, which I think that's kind of what it boils down to. Is that's why I don't really want to touch it early because I sleep great same. in early winter time. I'm very much the same way. My wife is very much the. She will turn. We'll go from the heat to the air conditioning approximately 73 times Ooh. In, in like this three-week span where the weather is kind of fluctuating in an area like this, and it drives me crazy. She's not a window gal? Not, well, she likes the fresh air, but she's very much a, she's every stereotype of, oh, the, the, the woman who's like, I'm cold, and then I'm too hot. It's like never, I've never heard her once say, it feels really good in here. Like, the temperature's great. It, it's always a, a complaint, yeah. and so we, we're, we're constantly flip-flopping, and that just, it screws up our system. It screws up the HVAC, and it's it's not great. I just feel but so like far we I've been I've been able to hold her off so far. I feel like from for like like the past month probably that's we haven't had our unit on, but two or three times it's kicked on, and we've had windows open, and it's been able to regulate itself in terms of temperature. I think it's the weather we've had for the last month has been perfect in terms of good. window weather. I'm with you. I, I enjoy this time of the year. I enjoy the weather. It's been great. It's lovely. Uh, you drew some rave reviews in my house yesterday. Oh, yeah? People were talking about, which I, I love. My wife always refers to you as just Scooter. Like, she never says Scoots, which I'm, I'm like, he's family now. We, we, we call him by his, you know, his nickname. We, we can do this. Well, it's, it's funny you bring that up because when John Spears has Tony Burke in studio, he doesn't put the S on it. He calls me Scoot. Scoot? Like Scoot Henderson. Like Scoot Henderson. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I kind of like that. So there's, there's all these different variations of it. I love them all. But every time you're on, she's like, I get home and she's like, Scooter's really funny. I'm like, he's pretty funny. She was she was laughing at the, uh, the the gummy story that you told at the beginning of yesterday's show. She's like, I she's like, I legit laughed out loud. I was like, well, you know, we all enjoy Scoots. I got one winner out yeah. of the whole deal. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we enjoyed having Scooter on yesterday. We got a, a I was gonna say jam packed show, but it's 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 jam packed. It's mostly. game day. It is game, game day. day. A lot of nonsense today. Basketball is. Sort of back. You know, we, we do the thing. It's not as bad as football, where football's back 25 different times during the summer. You know, the first the preview magazine comes out, and people are like, football's back, baby. And then it's, you know, the first day of fall camp, football's back, baby. And then the, the first NFL exhibition, the Hall of Fame game, football's back. But it's never really back until the actual games that start that actually matter start being played. Basketball, we're less willing to do that. But we do kind of go like, you know, the red-white scrimmage last week, people were like, hey, hoops are back. I'm like, yeah. Kind of. Tonight, exhibition game, eh, kind of back. But it is a a chance to see U of L in action against a different opponent. I'm excited about that. Seven o'clock is the tip off. You can hear all the action uh, on our sister station, 970 WGTK. It is streaming, thankfully, on the ACC Network Extra slash Watch ESPN, whichever one of those you, you prefer. It'll be Kent Taylor and Jody Demling on the call, which will be fun. Uh, I'll, I'll tweet some nonsense at Kent. That'll be fun. I'll always try to get him to say penis on the air. That, that <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do that. I'll do that little song and dance. Always a good time. Uh, it should be fun. We'll talk a little bit about Simmons. Not a lot about Simmons, but we'll talk a little bit about Simmons throughout the course of today's show. Uh, I've got a couple of, of nonsense topics that I want to get to. Love nonsense. We're going to play Am I the A-Hole yes. with Scoots. We have yes. not, we've never done this before. I mean, it's, look, Hell yeah, I'm pumped. It's the Wednesday of bye week. You've got so. me addicted to it now, Mike. I'm on Reddit all the time it's reading great, these dang things. It's, it, they're incredible. They are incredible. It is very, it's a very addictive uh, subgroup, and they always have fun topics. And there are some legitimately, I, I think, interesting discussions about some. A lot of the times it's, it's obvious. Like, yeah, you're... You, if you had to ask this question, you're clearly the a-hole. Right. But there's sometimes where I think there's a legitimate debate, and that's when it gets fun. We'll do that. It is Weird Wednesday. 
We want to hear from you on the Thornton sex line at 502-414-1450. If you've got a show topic idea, if you've got a question, a concern, just a comment, whatever you got, hit us up at 502-414-1450. Also, a couple of football tidbits to get to. Uh, I know it's bye week, but there's some there's some things happening out there we didn't get a chance to discuss yesterday, and we can react to what happened last night in in the world of, of baseball and soccer. 4-0 win for both uh, the Man, U.S. men's national team. We were and, way off. Yeah, we well, we said two. We, we sold them short. Oh, we th- th- we just meant both of our guesses combined. Exactly. That's what it was. We yeah. both called a shutout over Ghana. I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to grill us over. You that. said two o. I said two o. That makes four o. Yeah, it's fine. Easy we, math. We both were wrong on the the Western Kentucky game. We lost on a last second field goal to Jacksonville State and Rich Rodriguez last night, which was I, I turned it on just in time to see the last field goal. I was like, oh, it's seventeen seventeen. Let's see what's going on. And their kicker is like this 6'5", 250-pound dude for Jacksonville State who falls on the kick but then buries whatever the distance was to, to beat WKU, give them their first Conference USA loss. So that was a little bit of a bummer. Did you know that game was 17-17 at half? I did not. Yeah. I knew Western was up 17-7 to at one point. It was 17-17 to at halftime. It was a scoreless Jeez. second half until no, that field goal. That. That's nuts. Uh, how was the rest of your, your Tuesday evening, Scoots? It was good. I had a very... Trevor Kelsey like Tuesday evening with the oh, exception God. of the ending of it, which I'll get around to. So I get out of here and I go, I'm, I'm starving. So I go get something to eat. Naturally, I go to Arby's. Oh, God. I figured, you know, I, I was I was in place of Trevor today, so I feel like that's what I had to do. I had to go to Arby's. It was ended up being a great decision. It was a great meal. It's like a single white female thing now where you're just, you're assuming all of Trevor's details. You're kind of becoming him. Oh, wait. I'm a little bit nervous. That's just the beginning. Then I get home, <laughs> finish finish my meal, and I'm like, you know, there's, there's so much on TV that I could watch sports-wise. So what do I decide to do? Decide to fire up MLB the show and play a game. <laughs> I mean, I'm in the postseason with the Reds playing the Braves in the divisional series. So okay. it, it was a pretty big game. Ended up losing. So that kind of put a sour into my night. I turned the game off. And I don't know if you've kept up with this on Kentucky Roll Call or not, but I started rereading the Harry Potter series. So I read two chapters of The Sorcerer's Stone last night before I went to bed. I have not kept up with this. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> Are you a huge Harry Potter guy by nature? Yeah. I mean, it's so I've always said, like, I don't like anything that's fake. Like, I don't like Star Wars. I don't like Lord of the Rings. Like, you name it, I, I probably haven't seen it. You're typically not a fantasy guy. Exactly. But, but something about Harry Potter. I don't know. I don't know if it's because I read the books first. I, I, I read the books, all the books twice before I saw any of the movies. So I had this certain image in my head of how the movies should be. And, and some of them nailed it. Some of them didn't. But yeah, I, I just want—I well, don't know. I don't know how this came up a few weeks ago. I was looking at my books in my room, and I was like, "I'm gonna—I'm gonna start reading again." So it's did been, you, a, been did, a long while since I've read. Did you originally read the series as like a a young adult or a kid? No. So I was in school. I don't—I doubt you all had it, but did you have AR in school? No, I have no idea what that is. Okay, so we had AR, which if you read books only in America, then you took tests about the books online. And if you passed your test, I think you had to get an 80%. If you got an 80% or higher, you got the AR points that those books were worth. Well, I learned very early on that the Harry Potter books were worth a ton of points. Like, you could rack up your month's allotment of points that you needed by one Harry Potter book. What does AR stand for? Accelerated reading, I think it was. Some sort of, like, program? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, basically, you just read books, took the test, but the Harry Potter books were worth a crazy amount of points. Like, you could almost get your whole year's worth of points if you read, like, the seventh book. Okay. So, So that's initially how I got into it. So, you were in, like, grade school? 
Uh, middle school. Middle school. More so okay. middle school. Yeah. Because I, I was thinking, I remember when the first movie, when I heard the first movie was coming out, it was in, it was like my senior year of high school. And at that point, I'd never heard of Harry Potter. Like, like I had friends that were like, oh yeah, I read the books a couple of years ago. But it was, it was for the group of, uh, the, the generation like kind of your age. That was just like five years younger than me, mm-hmm. four years younger than me, around that same. So like, I, I feel like I just missed the Harry Potter. Like my sister, who's three years younger than I am, she was like all about Harry Potter. I feel like I just missed it. But, then people really got into it as adults, but I, I just, I've never, I went to one of the movies at the theater on a date. Uh, it was like the, the, of course it was like the fourth one in the series. So I had oh, no, that's the I had, best one. I had no idea what was going on. That is on. the best one. It was fine. I, I, again, I had, I had very little knowledge. I knew who like Harry was. I knew his friend was Ron because my friends call me Ron. <laughs> I knew Hermione, but I knew very little besides that. And then I, I knew that the only thing that I knew in college was that because there were all the spoilers that came out when the book was released, like Snape kills Dumbledore. And I was like, I don't even know what that means. I just see it everywhere. People trying to ruin this for everybody else. Sorry if I ruined it for you. It's been like 15 years. You, well, you've had plenty of time to read the, the book. Well, you didn't ruin anything because there's actually a crazy plot twist in regards to that murder. See, I didn't even know. Yeah. I, I didn't even know. Like Snape killed Dumbledore, but it was for good reason. It was like a mercy kill. Yeah. Okay. Well, basically, basically, Snape made a promise to Harry's parents. Okay. Well, th- th- there you go. Now, and, more spoilers. Yeah. So you're rereading the series for at least the third time. Uh, I think it's this is actually my fifth time, I want to oh say. Oh, my God. Yeah, I've read them a lot. Have you thought about venturing out into other genres of fantasy? Because it seems like, no. you, do, it seems like you do like fantasy. No. I, I, th- I think that's kind of what helps me like Harry Potter is the fact that I know what's coming. Like, there's not going to be any twists or turns. But each time I read them, it's like I pick up on different things that I hadn't read before. You know, like last night there was... I'm not even going to get into the depths of it, but there was they alluded to something in the first book that doesn't happen until the fifth book, which I hadn't, hadn't picked up on that in the series uh, yet. So, just, yeah, just little things like that. Make it fun. But have you, have you like, given Tolkien or, like, any, any Star Wars a try? Oh, no. No, I Give won't. Give him a No, I won't. Well, if you like this no, that much, I, I you're could, willing to read this five times and you're not willing to give any sort of other fantasy series even a try. I could promise you I would not like Star Wars. I've How seen, can you say that? I've seen little clips of it. It just It's so dumb to me. How can you say that when you know. love Harry Potter this much? But that's you got to understand, like Mike. It's dating thing all over again. you gotta, the, you got to try. That's the only thing that I like. I don't like any of the other stuff. Because you haven't tried. No, I, I mean... I've tried, but maybe not to the extent that I should. Maybe it was like, what was that movie you were supposed to watch? I watched 90 seconds of it. It counts. I watched the whole thing. I only did that to win a game at halftime. We were losing <laughs> to Georgia Tech. What was that movie? Uh, Suicide Kings. Yeah, there you go. I, 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 I watched it the same way that Trevor ate a salad. He ate about 90 seconds worth of a salad. I watched 90 <laughs> seconds worth of a movie. That was fine. Uh, we, we, he ate 90 seconds worth of chicken nuggets. Speaking of Trevor, I, this was brought to my attention today. And I, I don't want to blame him completely for this, but... Blame him. It does kind of seem like this is his fault. ACT scores have now fallen in America to our lowest level in 32 years. Wow, his average hurt it that bad? I, You said it, not me. <laughs> for a long time... Basically, ACT scores were, were steady from 1990 through the last couple of years. From 1990 through 2021... The average composite AT sc- ACT score was about between 20 and 21. Sometimes a little bit in the early 2000s, the best era, my era, it was slightly above 21. It dropped this year precipitously to 19.5. Whoa. Trevor didn't help that. 
Well, he didn't do that bad then, if that's the average. Didn't he get a 13? 14. Yeah, that's only five and a half below the average. Isn't that good? That was my second takeaway, was the fact that Trevor Kelsey is just four and a half points below the average high school junior right now. And put no effort in. Is a little bit worrisome for the future of this country. Like, I, I mean, it's scary. The fact that Trevor is this close to the median. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I don't like it. Uh, but Trevor, yeah, he's he's not he's not that much below the average high school student these days. I mean, doesn't it all add up though? Like, I, I don't know about you, but I feel like the last five or ten years, I've noticed a, a huge difference in just how dumb people are. You know, I, I used to feel like everybody was had somewhat of a little bit of intelligence, but now it's more so. I think more people are dumb than they are smart. Uh, you've just been working on radio too long. That's, no, that's, what that's it is, is, it's been hotels too oh, long well. is what it is. <laughs> oh, okay. I always tell everybody, if you want to see the dumbest people in America, go work at a hotel for a couple months. People are so stupid. You, you, you're kind of like, you're not to the extent of Trevor, but you have worked in a variety of fields over the years. Oh, I've worked in more fields than Trevor. And, okay, so people ask me this question sometimes because I did, like, law stuff. I, I did, I've, always, I've done writing stuff. Um, I, I've done radio stuff. And people are like, those are all groups of notoriously weird people. Mm-hmm. Which group is, is is the weirdest? And I say without qu- like radio people to me are the weirdest. Like like yeah, there are the 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 lawyer fraternity or sorority, whatever yeah, you know, whatever you however you want to phrase it. Like it's it's all over the place. Like you have some cool lawyers, some people that are very much like me that I, I feel like I can get along with that are just normal. You've got some rich kids that just are, are you know, born on third base thinking they hit a triple that are just a-holes. And then you've just got some, some would like, say that's you, too. Well, I was not born on third base. <laughs> I was born on, like, first, maybe, <laughs> if that, which is fine. I, no complaints. Um, you've got it, – it, it's all over the place. There there are some very weird legal people, but there are some, some some normal ones out there, too. Like, my brothers are both lawyers, and I think that they're, they're both very normal. Um, writing, you have – it's kind of like that. There are people that I know that who are reporters that I, I get like Jeff Greer and I would be friends in any field. He's very, uh, we have very similar tastes. There are some weird reporters out there, some weird writing very people weird, yeah. that just are very much out there that I'm like, how do we work in the same field? We have nothing in common whatsoever. But radio, I think, is the, the most consistently weird out of all the fields that I've worked in. Which it's good weird. Like I've liked almost everybody that I've worked with in radio, but they're definitely. It's not the type of people that I, you know expected to be associating with in my my early you know late late 30s early 40s uh, coming up here soon um but i like it i enjoy it but it's definitely weird for you out of all these different fields what what group of people has been the weirdest i mean i think i would have to agree with you in terms of radio i mean i've just met some characters in radio over the years but i don't i don't know that i would classify them as weird it's just it's a eccentric, unique, yeah, eccentric, unique. That I, that's more of the wording that I would use for radio folks. But yeah, I mean, I've done a lot of like hotels. Employees there just aren't they aren't really weird. They're just unreliable. Uh, restaurants, everyone's just a pothead. Um, I worked for a heating and air company. That was I, I don't even know how to describe those people. But yeah, I mean, I've done a lot, and probably radio people for sure. The most unique, no doubt. Definitely, I mean. I work with somebody every single day who I love, who wears sweatpants and like every single day and doesn't leave the house. Like that's it's Trevor. Like I yeah. was not. If you'd asked me ten years ago how I thought I'd be spending my my you know thirty ninth year, it would be probably not working every day with Trevor. But I love it. Like he's he's very out there. He's very eccentric. 
but it's uh, it, it's cool. It's, Did it's you really know him unique. before you came here? I had heard of him. I, I knew that people had called him Bacon at one point. <laughs> That's all I knew. Like I, I knew that he had done radio stuff before. So you didn't with like Dugan. you didn't like know how he looked or anything like that. I don't think so. And God, then, I would have loved to be a fly on the wall first time you met him. Well, the very first day, like, like when they, because I met Troy and Dugan, like, we'd had multiple kind of meetings trying to, you know, they, they were pitching me coming over here and stuff. And when I'd agreed, we had this big like Zoom meeting where like Dugan and Troy and some of the other higher ups that I hadn't met yet, like Trey over at WBNA, uh, we, we all got together and kind of were formulating a plan. And Trevor hopped on. Trevor was the only one who didn't turn his camera on, which I later found out was because he was obviously in bed. It's like a 10 a.m. meeting. He didn't have a shirt on, and so he just kept the camera off. He sounded like he'd just smoked, I don't know, 3,000 cigarettes before 9 a.m. Every, every time he talked. Because they're like, Trevor's going to be your producer. I'm like, oh, cool. What's up, man? He's like, <laughs> I, was like I was like, I don't know how this is going to go. And then they actually they brought me in to do like a the, – the Friday before the show was going to start. We started on a Monday. We, I came in here on Friday, and we did like a live one hour just to make sure we could get on the air and that it was going to work. And that's when I talked to Trevor. And actually, I was like, this, could, this is going to work. Like, Trevor and I, we had a lot in common with the same sort of sports thing. Sense of humor was kind of the same. And I was like, yeah, I may end up using this guy more than I thought. Because I didn't know. You know. Initially, I was like, I can't do the show by myself. I'm going to need to have a co-host. And, you know, they're like, well, I think people would love to come in here and, and just co-host with you. We could have a rotating group of co-hosts. And I was like, I, people aren't going to come in here for three hours for free every single you know, week. Like, right. I, I think it's going to be tougher than you think. So we tried it for a little bit. And then when I realized I could could use Trevor, it also helped that you know, I needed somebody to talk to when we didn't have the phone lines working, which was that was an issue the first week. But it ended up being okay. It was definitely when I saw him, it was definitely I was like, okay, like this is it was not what I was picturing, <laughs> but it ended up being great. It, it, it here we go. Two and a half years later, however long we've been on the air, it's uh it's all smooth. I, I totally thought you were going with he turned on his webcam and his head took up the whole cam. No, he did not. He was the only one who would not turn on his camera, which was that definitely make, a red flag. That makes even more sense. I was like, if you know Trevor, I kind of felt like the the way that he was talking. I was like, I think this guy just woke up. I was like, I don't think. I was like, I don't think this guy. I was like, I think he's trying to hide something here. Well, now you know he didn't wake up. He just woke up for that few minutes and he was up for rolled it. back to rolled back over. He talked twice in like a twenty minute meeting and then <laughs> went right back to sleep. That's exactly what happened. But ACT scores, the ACT scores nineteen and a half. It's also like that's the composite score. So that's not just the you know, your composite scores. If you take it five times, you get the best scores on every single section, all all four sections, mm. to make up your total score. So it's not just hey, if I took this one time and got a seventeen, that goes in there. Like these are the people's best score, and the average is nineteen and a half. That makes me very concerned. But I I kind of blame Trevor for that. I don't know. He's he's bringing it down. Wrecked the average. Also, I meant to text Trevor last night. His uh, his Seattle Kraken got uh, got got knocked down by my Colorado Avalanche. He did text me last night. Told me he enjoyed Hip Hop Tuesday. Oh, good. He didn't. He did not even let me know that he listened. But I'm glad he's texting. He also you. also called me out for uh, getting us locked out of the station email. He said, "Some super producer you are." <laughs> you did say yesterday <laughs> that you thought you were you're now officially a better producer than Trevor. And I was wondering if he he heard that. Yeah, he heard it. Because I was like, I'm not going to fight you on that. He did, well, he didn't have much of a rebuttal, so he must agree. He's just giving up. <laughs> he's fine. He, he, he's gotten too comfortable here. It's all good. But I did have to let him know on Twitter that he is tanking the ACT score. But I did not text him about the Kraken, who famously. Beat my avalanche of the playoffs last year, forcing me to watch Shallow Hal on a <laughs> summer night. Uh, avalanche took him down 4-1 last night. I'll let him know soon enough. 
Uh, let's take our first break. When we come back, I want to talk about tonight's game against Simmons College. We'll set the, the tone a little bit. I'll go over what I know about Simmons, which is very little, and we can kind of get into some things to look at and some things to, to watch for and, and what we want to see. It'll be not the, the, the full segment is what I'm going to say because there's only so much I think that you can say about this first exhibition game. But we'll get into that after the break. We'll take some texts from you guys at 502-414-1450. It's Mike Rutherford Show, Wednesday edition here on 1450 and 96.1. Big X. Insecure about the world I've been living in I don't break easy, I have my pride But if you mean to be satisfied I'm shameless Well, honey, I don't have a prayer Every time I see you standing there I go down upon my knees This is good, guys. And I'm shameless Wednesday edition of my brother for show 1450 The Big X. And we'll do the uh, Scoot's early 90s country tomorrow, right? Yeah. Because you said you didn't need music from Trevor for that day. No, today is, uh, I guess, his iPod shuffle day. We got some weird Scoot's music th- coming up. Sco- uh, Trevor has this on his iPod shuffle? I'm kind of surprised. Right. Doesn't strike me as a uh, as a Garth guy. Garth is not on Spotify. He's like the biggest artist that's not. It's unbelievable. I know. He's nowhere. You can't find him anywhere. You can't find him on YouTube. You can't find him. I pay for Apple Music and I can't freaking get Garth Brooks. I know. Ticks me off. If him. I'm paying for Apple Music, I should get the real Garth Brooks, not some knockoff karaoke wannabe. I'm with you, but ticks me off. Garth is very protective of his catalog. Apparently. It's unbelievable. Why? Well, I, I don't know why he's like. Wouldn't he want more people to hear it? I don't know what the rationale is. Wouldn't you want to keep people from hearing a crappy version of your song and they hear the real version? Especially in this day and age where, like, I think everybody else is on Spotify. And we we looked it up. Garth Brooks is easily the most famous artist who's not on Spotify. Oh, yeah. And second is, like, Joanna Newsom or or somebody who's very... Who? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, somebody who's who's very... I like Joanna Newsom, but she's very, very fringe. Never heard of her. A very small fan base. Just drill the mic. What was that? Just drop my phone. (laughs) Throwing it at the keyboard here. He's very upset about Garth Brooks not being on Spotify. That that did trigger me way more than I imagined. Uh, It was one of those where, like, I kept, like, looking for Garth songs to add to my playlist, and and then I wouldn't see him, and then like, why is he not on here? And then for a while there, when I first got Spotify, Jay-Z wasn't on Spotify, and I was like, yeah, you know, he, he had his own streaming service, and that was why. But now he's on. Like, there's nobody else who's not on. Like, just just do it, Garth, or whoever's handling Garth's music. Anyway, uh, tonight, it, it is a it's a mile marker of the offseason, or the preseason, whichever you want to refer it to as. Uh, Louisville men's basketball, first exhibition game of the 2023-24 season. Kenny Payne's year two. The Cars will take on Simmons College inside the KFC Yum Center. 7 o'clock is the tip-off. You can hear all the action on our sister station, 970 WGTK. You can watch all the action streaming live on the Watch ESPN app or the ACC Network Extra, whatever you want to call it. It's going to be streaming somewhere. Uh, the cards, I, I do feel like there's more focus on this year's exhibition game than in a lot of exhibition games in years past for two very obvious reasons. One, the team went 4-28 and last year, and people are, are desperate for a sign of improvement going into Kenny Payne's second season. And then two, we lost an exhibition game last year. For the first time ever against a college opponent, Louisville lost an exhibition game. It snapped their 39-game exhibition 
winning streak, which dated all the way back to a loss in 2000 uh, to the, uh, the the Global Sports All-Stars, one of those teams. It was like traveling, like former college players that knocked off Denny Crum's final L team. And the weird thing about that exhibition game, so we're playing this on October 18th. The last time we lost an exhibition game before last year, that game was played on like December 9th. So UofL, we, it used to be a weird setup where UofL would, they'd play an exhibition game, they'd play two or three actual in-season games, and then they'd play their second exhibition game after they'd already started. Really? It was a, yeah, it was different times, stranger times. This is, and somebody like Kelly Dickey can, can fact check me, this has to be one of the earliest that we've ever played our first exhibition games. Because more times than not, I always remembered in the, in the Patino era, the first exhibition game was the Saturday of Halloween weekend. And then the second exhibition game was like four or five days later, midweek. Like you, you, They were both very close to one another. And the first one was always Halloween weekend. It was always kind of around the 30th. Sometimes it was right after Halloween. But it was, it was either late October, early November. We're playing this on October 18th. I mean, I think that you would look at this and you would say you can't expect Louisville to be anything resembling a polished product tonight. They've only been practicing for a handful of weeks full-time. But I think you also look at this and you say the opponent is one that you should be able to come in here and and, and walk over. Simmons College came to Louisville in 2018 before Chris Mack's first season. Louisville won 90-41. And if anybody has any sort of memory of that game, I put the highlights up on, on the website today on the preview. It was the worst exhibition opponent we've we've ever played, as far as a college team is concerned. They came here, they just you know, they were going through the motions. They didn't have a lot of there was no resistance from the Simmons College Falcons in that game. Louisville won by fifty. They could have easily won by eighty, and it, it does seem like they've taken a little bit of a step forward in the last year because you know, Jerry Eves, the former AD slash head coach, has now gone out and hired another former Cardinal, Tony Branch, who had his first season last year. And Tony Branch, to his credit, took over a, a Simmons team that had gone two and twenty the year before and lost. We reeled off the scores last week. They had lost to you know, Thomas Moore by eighty-five and you know Nazareth Bible College by sixty-three and all these just just horrific results. And he did at least lead them to a winning record last season. They went fourteen and thirteen. They finished ranked in the top ten of the NCAA, NCCAA. It's the National Christian College Athletic Association rankings. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, there's no reason to be. It's fine. <laughs> We're not, you're not going to get quizzed at the end of this. So they went 14 to 13. They finished nationally ranked in their uh, in their division, which includes I think like 15 teams. So it's 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 a little bit of a misleading statistic. But they've got a number of local players. My favorite thing about looking at Simmons College and their their website, like they didn't have their last season schedule up until a couple of days ago. They've been they're they're a little bit behind when it comes to the Simmons College tech team, but their basketball roster, they have two players listed on the website as being 5'12", which <laughs> is incredible. You know, it's the old joke about, you know, nobody's actually 5'11". You know, you, you're either really 5'10", or you're six foot. Like, you know, you, 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 you're always, if men are going to lie about their height, and if you're, if you're 5'10 and a half, you're really probably like 5'9". How pissed would you be if you're actually six foot tall and you're listed as five twelve on this website twice? Um, it's uh, that 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 stood out to me. Oh, uh, it's poor Trey Radcliffe. It's a tough break. I don't know what you want me to say. And he's a senior. My goodness. And he's one of two seniors on the team. The other thing is how 
just local focus the roster is. It's a, a ton of guys. This would actually be a great moment for Trevor to be on the show. No because kidding. They have a player from Wagner on the roster. And I mean, this may be the high point of Wagner basketball in the last like 20 years is the fact that, that somebody, I know they've had a couple <laughs> of guys go play college basketball, the kid who played at Morehead State a couple of years ago, but you know, it doesn't happen very often. And they've got a player who's actually playing for Simmons college. I would love to pick Trevor's brain about it. I'm sure he's got no insight whatsoever. But uh, you know they've got two players from Mayo, including their leading returning scorer is uh, Gavin Withrow, who's a 5'11 sophomore guard, played at Mayo. He averaged 12.2 points per game last season and also 3.0 assists. He's the leading uh, returning guy when it comes to assists as well. Uh, they've got two players from Mayo, one player from Central, one player from Seneca, one from Doss, one from Wagner, and one from Central. And look, it's not a lot of familiar names. It's not like these guys were all... First team all seventh region, second team all seventh region. It's a lot of guys that I think were role players on their high school teams that just wanted to keep playing in college and got an opportunity at Simmons College. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know how good the players from out of state are, but it, it's this is all a very long-winded way of saying Louisville should not have much of an issue tonight. This should not be another Lenore Ryan situation. And I, and I know people out there are like, Mike, Lenore Ryan beat us last year without their two best players, and they finished in last place in their own conference. I get it. It was bad. I'm not trying to say it wasn't. Lenore Ryan still plays at a different level in Div- of Division II than Simmons College does. There's, I mean, There was no excuse to lose Lenore Ryan by 10. There would really be no excuse for this game to be remotely competitive against Simmons College, especially when it appears that you have revamped the roster and upgraded the talent. So uh, I'm not expecting to – I said it earlier this week, I'm going to be the bad guy on this, where – I'm curious to see how the team comes out. I want there are certain things that I want to see. Obviously, the effort level, some offensive execution, a defensive scheme that seems consistent. But for the most part, I don't think that there's a way that I, I, I'm I'm going to resist the urge to be like blown away and very optimistic if we go out there tonight and we win by 35 or 40 because I think that that's what just about any Division One team would do against this opponent. And I'm, I'm going to have to fight the the people out there who are like, see, told you, like, we're back, we're good. <laughs> if they look just as dominant against Kentucky Wesleyan in 12 days, then I think that's a little bit of a different conversation. But this this should be a game where Louisville goes out there and just by virtue of having superior athletes and superior talent should just go out there and, and kind of sleepwalk to a, a very convincing victory. How does a guy like Marlo McSwain, number 24 for Simmons College from Brussels, Belgium, how do you come from Brussels, Belgium, and be, oh, I'm going to go to Simmons College? It's a great question. Like, what? We should have gotten this guy on the radio show from for today. Um, how, how, how did that happen? I need, I need to know, Marlo. I, I mean, there were people, when I went to Bellarmine, there were, I had a class with a girl who played on the soccer team, and she was from, like, Orange County, California. And, and I was like, how do you end up here? Like, you know, uh, Bellarmine, I, it, it can't just be for soccer recruiting. I was like, do you, is there some sort of connection? She's like, no, I, just, I wanted to play soccer. I'm like, did you just flip through a catalog of schools and put your finger down somewhere? Like, I, I don't know how this happens. Um, my favorite story of, from anybody that I've ever worked with, and he actually ended up writing a, a post on this back in, the, this is like probably five, eight years ago, is we worked with this guy at SBNation.com, James Dater, who is Australian. And he grew up obsessed with Michael Jordan, obsessed. And his whole dream was to go to to, to North Carolina. And you know, he, he researched. He had like Michael Jordan posters. He had like 
UNC Tar Heel stuff everywhere. And he takes all the, the tests that you need to to be college eligible in, in the States. And he, he applies to uh, you know, North Carolina, he thinks. He winds up, he, he gets admitted. He ends up flying all the way over to America. He shows up at his first day uh, at school. And he realizes when he had gone through the, the application process to pick out an American college, he just saw University of North Carolina. So, you know, he was like, I, I felt like all the, the cities next to that were just satellite schools. Who cares if I'm taking classes in Asheville, Greensboro, oh, Charlotte, no. or Wilmington? I'm going to be a Tar Heel. And so he shows up to UNC Greensboro on his very first day of classes, wearing all this Tar Heel gear, looking around, not seeing a whole lot of other people wearing Tar Heel gear, seeing this this weird Spartan mascot everywhere. And he's like, what, what the hell is this? And he's like, three hours into my first day of orientation, I get this holy bleep, no way feeling where I'm listening to a presenter and I hear basketball and I hear Jim and I hear we made the 2001 NCAA tournament <laughs> and my stomach st- sinks and I'm like, I'm not a Tar Heel. Like, I- I'm not going to North Carolina. He said that like, he went to, he went and had lunch by himself and then just started like sobbing in, like, the, on like the, <laughs> the, the, the lawn. He's, he's, like, I, he's like, I've gone across the entire world to go to a college, and I ended up going to the wrong place. Uh, but he ends up, he's like, I had the four best years of my life. I loved UNC Greensboro. Oh, so he stayed? That's awesome. He stayed awesome. for four years and ends up going to, to, to UNC Greensboro. He said, 12 years later, no regrets. That's the important thing. I came to find out it's an amazing school with an excellent English program. I thrived during my time there, but college, college athletics were my only disappointment. UNCG never came close to making the NCAA tournament. I went to 10 UNCG games in my career there as a student. And they never won once. They went zero and ten. <laughs> so yeah, you know, it was. A, but it was a, a funny story. But I can see how people would get confused. That's I don't even hilarious. know how we got. But I, as far as the Simmons College player, I've got. I, I mean, I have to assume this is like a. He thought he was going to Louisville, and, <laughs> and realized that this was no, just a a school in Louisville. Uh, a couple of, uh, of facts that we've got on this game tonight. Uh, it, it is the you know Louisville had a thirty nine game exhibition winning streak that got snapped last year. They've now won one game against exhibition opponents in a row. They beat, they did beat Chaminade in their second game last year, eighty to seventy three. That's forgotten. We all remember the Lenore Ryan game. Let's not forget we did beat Chaminade. Tony Branch, who was a captain on the nineteen eighty national championship team and a U of L Athletics Hall of Famer, is in his second season as the head coach there. Uh, Jerry Eves is, is the athletic director, who was also a member of the nineteen eighty title squad. And uh, Louisville is returning 47 points. This is one of those facts that's in the media guide that I'm like, yeah, do, do we really want to highlight this? Louisville's returning 47.1% of its scoring from last season, 57.1% of its rebounding, and 28.1% of its assists from last season. They do have eight newcomers who together created the sixth best recruiting class in the country per 24-7 sports. And if you want, like, you know, Mike, you're too negative. You're hating on basketball program. We're going to end with a positive fact. Kenny Payne. The only Division I men's basketball head coach in the country who was an NBA draft pick as well as a national champion player and coach as an assistant. That's fine. Only person who has checks those three boxes in all of college basketball. We're back. Man, We're that's, back. that's what we've succumbed to now. It's exactly what we've succumbed to. <laughs> Excuse. That's where we are here. But uh, tonight, as far as what I'm looking for, I, I mean, if the effort level is bad, then I, it's a – gigantic red flag and I don't think that you're I went back and looked at some of the comments that people made after we lost to Lenore Ryan last year and there was a whole lot of I can't believe that people are upset about this 
Kenny Payne's doing this on purpose. He wanted the team to learn a lesson. And I'm the whole time I'm like, no, no, I, I, I'm not really buying that. And that clearly set the tone for the entire season. If you come out and you just don't play hard after the type of offseason that we've had and the type of offseason gauntlet that Kenny Payne has apparently put these, these kids through, that's what we've been told, then I, I do feel like that sets the tone for the entire season. Effort level should be the bare minimum. That's the first bar that you need to clear. If we don't see it tonight, I get very worried. I, I want to see that increase in team chemistry. I, I know it's a it seems like a little thing. I'm very much a believer in the teams that have the most active bench and the teams that have the guys that are clearly rooting for each other the most are more times than not the teams that go on to be the most successful. And people got on me last year for paying too much attention to the fact that we would we'd be in a close game. We'd have a guy make a big bucket. And you'd have like one dude on the bench standing up and everybody else like looking in the crowd trying to find a date for that night. And I thought that that was a, a huge just sign that, that there was something going wrong. And I would encourage you, like, like watch the best teams in college basketball. Watch their benches. They never have seven or eight dudes who just sit motionless the entire game. Right. Like they're always into it. They're always cheering for each other. Team chemistry absolutely matters. I want to see that tonight. I would love to see it. I mean, we've heard from Sky Clark and Trey White about how much this group hangs out together off the floor and how – how united they are. I want to see that. And then just some sort of defensive identity. I mean, this should be a team that you overwhelm with your size and athleticism and desire. Like, like let, let's let's defend the same way. Let's not let our guy in front of us. Let's not overhelp. Let's defend a high ball screen consistently the same way. I, we never saw that at all last season. Even when the team was playing relatively well, they just there was never any continuity on the defensive end as far as scheme or philosophy or anything like that. I would love to see if, if those three things happen tonight. Here's my Kenny Payne quote. I don't care about the score as long as, <laughs> as long as we win big, uh, but like, the, the, whether it's 40, 50, 30, 25, what have you, if those three things happen tonight, I'll be, I'll be satisfied. One of the things I associate with team chemistry a lot is, and I, I couldn't tell you how Louisville was in this regard last year. So maybe you can answer to it, but I'm a big positive touches guy, high fives, yeah. fist bumps, just like, Positive touches on the floor while you're out there together. Just that's that shows me that a team is together and really cohesive as a unit. But I, I don't know honestly how Louisville was in that regard last year. Bad, no, no question about it. Okay, they, they were bad. I mean, I, I'm with you. Like I, I am a honest believer in stuff like that actually mattering. You yeah. know, having the team where when a dude gets knocked down, if he takes a truck, like everybody's running over to help him up. And when our guys did it last year, it almost felt like they were. They were faking it. Like, like it almost felt like they'd heard the criticism about nobody about how somebody falls down trying to take a charge and then nobody comes and helps them up. And it's like, oh yeah, we need to do that because coach is getting pissed off because the fans are tweeting about it. Like it, it, it almost it, it felt like to use the old Charlie Strong phrase, it felt like fake juice when they would do it last year. And, and a lot it, towards the end of the season, they just stopped even caring. Like they they just there was not a lot of positive interaction whatsoever. You could tell that the team was was frustrated and tired and and that they didn't really like each other all that much. And mm-hmm. And it showed. That's how you go four and twenty-eight. So, I, I want to see some of that stuff. Do you have a as an Indiana fan? I'm always curious about what fans remember from exhibition games because ideally, I think the I think the hope is that you don't remember that much. That you like you go out there, you win by twenty-five or thirty, and then once the actual season starts, it's kind of a forgotten thing. Do you have any like firm memories of, of IU exhibition no, games over the years? I, I can't. I mean, I've got. I definitely have memories of early season IU games. I remember Indiana losing to Pepperdine. I remember we played Charlotte one year. Charlotte had the ball at half court with 0.7 seconds left. 
passed it inbounds and splashed home a three to give them a win yeah. from half court. But that's yeah, I mean those were all regular season games. I couldn't tell you about any. I do remember a smattering of games. booze at the halftime of Archie's first game. I remember that from from where I was like, yeah, I was like, calm down, Indiana fans. It's going to be fine. And it, it was not fine. <laughs> it those, was not. No. Those fans who were booing were onto something. The only things that I remember from exhibition games over the years, I remember the, and maybe it's just because we watched, we rewatched the the blackout West Virginia football game during the offseason, but I remember the the Georgetown College game where it was so close. Like we, we won like 104 to 99. It was very much a close call, and Patino was furious about it. And then I remember, I think it was, it was either Patino's first season or, Denny Crumbs last season, where we had, I guess it would have been Crumbs last season, where we had, we had Mac Wilkinson from Ballard, was a freshman. And he, like, we were getting pushed by whoever we were playing in our exhibition game. And he came in and he scored like 21 points and had like 15 rebounds. And I was like, damn, this guy's going to be a lot better than I thought he was. Like, Brandon Bender was the star at Ballard. He's the, the top recruit. Maybe we should have been prioritizing Mac Wilkinson. I'm glad we got this guy. And then he did nothing for the rest of his career. Like, that exhibition game was the high point of, of Mac Wilkinson's tenure at UofL, although I always made fun of him. It seemed like whenever we were playing really badly, Denny would just put him in the game. and he, uh, So I called him the answer. Mac the answer Wilkinson uh, was, his, was my nickname. But that was the, the, the very – I feel like the exhibition things that we remember, by and large, are typically just like funny things or bad things. Like we'll all remember Lenore Ryan after last year, which is yeah. not – you want the exhibition games to be forgettable. My uh, my dad just texted me. Said, "What about the Wadford game? Miss, missing the point, Dad. You're missing the point. Doesn't fit the criteria. <laughs> Only IU fans could bring up the no. Watt shot in a conversation." No, the about funny exhibition. thing is, he's a Kentucky fan. Oh God, yeah, that's hilarious. So he's just trying to relive bad memories. Oh man, uh, we have a voicemail on the text line, by the way, too. I love when this happens. Same. Can, did it transcribe it? No, transcription not available. Oh. Only four seconds, dude. I've been getting, has anybody else, I, I know that spam calls are a thing that happened. I've gotten more spam calls Unbelievable. in the last 48 hours than I've got. Typically, I'll get them, and it'll do the thing where it's like, you know, it's likely spam, and it's from somewhere all across the country. I've been getting just straight 502 numbers, and at, at oh, all really? hours of the day, like, like you know, like like 7.45 a.m., 8 a.m., and then like 9 p.m., like I, I think I, I legit think I had 35 yesterday it was so annoying yeah i was actually thinking about that this morning because i had gotten two of them back to back both say potential spam one of them was about my existing spectrum account which i don't have an existing spectrum account and the other one was uh to authorize a payment on a fourteen hundred dollar macbook and i was like yep that you're not getting me yeah <laughs> it's not not calling you back it's not happening not gonna happen. it's ridiculous though shouldn't uh, be allowed Texture says, and the texture was right about this. Mike, I think you've been quoting statistics for Simmons College from the 2021 uh, 2022 season, not last year's statistics. That was what was happening last week when we looked at it. And you, the reason why? The website only had the two years ago schedule as their most <laughs> recent schedule going 2 and 20. So they, you know, they were 14 and 13 last year. They did only lose by, I think, 25 points or more twice. They did, they certainly weren't great, but they were better than the. Like historic dumpster fire from two years ago. Hey, Jerry East hired a good coach. Tony Branch clearly took the program in the right direction. So they've been, they've been better. I don't think though that it's going to be much of a challenge. That that level of basketball is about as low as it gets when it comes to to college. Which is why I kind of when Jerry East made the comment apparently on his radio show last year that made the rounds of him saying you know Roosevelt Wheeler wasn't talented enough to play at, at Simmons College. I was like, yeah, he well, is. Aren't they? Isn't that below um, NAIA? 
It's a so I think they're a subset of Division Two, but it's again they play in like this. It's it's the Christian College Association. It's it's kind of its own thing, where like all of their opponents are Nazareth Bible College, like just essentially schools that you've not heard of. Unless like I'd heard of Thomas More College because I had some friends that went there and played basketball and football, and that's really the only reason. Besides that, you know, it's it's a whole lot of it's schools that you have no business knowing. Mm-hmm. But it's fine. I'm glad. I think it's cool that they're playing this game. I thought it was very cool that they played the game six years ago or five years ago, whenever that was, 2018, as sort of a olive branch to, you know, this is Louisville's historically black college. Um, Jerry Eves is a former player. Tony Branch is a former player. I like that Kenny Payne said yesterday, when one of the first things he did before taking the job was reach out to both Jerry and Kevin Cosby and talk about the black community and, and, and trying to do something like this. So I think it's a good thing. I just don't think for the situation that we're in right now where the fans are desperate to kind of find something out about the basketball team, I don't think you're going to find out much. But this also maybe will give the fans – like I'm, I'm sitting here being disappointed that the, the opponent's not more of a challenge. It also may just be fun to watch Louisville basketball win a game by like 20 points or more right. for the first time in a long time. No like I, I guess I probably shouldn't be just poo-pooing that. It's it we haven't seen it happen. I mean, they, they when they won last year, it was typically very close. Even their exhibition game, they won by seven points over Chaminade. So maybe we just need like a night like this. Maybe let the fans who want to be very optimistic about the future be very optimistic for a, a week and a half. Who's that hurting? Why am I trying to rain on everybody's right. parade? It's fine. Just, just enjoy it for what it is. And it's funny for me because I, uh, 24 hours ago, could not have told you where Simmons College was at all. And then as I'm going home last night on 65 North, sure enough, there's a sign. Simmons College, this exit. And I'm like, huh, how about that? Right there. I never noticed that before until yesterday. In Louisville. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, the, we, we, I don't think we've ever played Spalding, which, you know, Roger Berkman was the idea really? there forever, which uh, you, you think maybe we'd, we'd play Spalding. Maybe, maybe we did. I don't remember. I, all of our exhibition games, I always remember being. You would play one game against a local school, like Wesleyan, Georgetown, somebody like that. And the second game was always somebody that had a direct tie to, to Patino when, when he was the coach here. Like we played Barry College because one of his former assistants was the head coach there. Uh, or I think it was because somebody had went there that was on his staff. There was always some sort of tie to Patino with the second exhibition game. And it was, it was, always, it was always interesting. But this year... A little bit different. You get Wesleyan, and then you get Simmons College, and we'll see what the Falcons bring to the table coming up tonight. I, I just, I want it to be fun. I want it to be a good evening. I want it to be enjoyable. We need and like perfect time for it too. You've got the bye week bye with football. Week, yeah. You've got next week the Duke game is going to be a big deal, so that talk is going to get ratcheted up uh, several notches. You, you'll have other sports taking the, the limelight. This is a perfect moment for Kenny Payne to sort of seize the moment and step up and give us something positive to talk about. I hope it happens. I, I think it will. I think that we're going we're gonna to look the way that we should in a game like this. Again, 7 o'clock tip-off if you want to listen to the game. You can do so on our sister station, your new home for Cardinal Athletics, 970 WGTK. Coming up in hour number two, we're going to talk about a hodgepodge of topics. We're going to play a little Am I the A-hole? Yes. And, of course, we're going to hear from you guys on the Thornton Sex line at 502-414-1450. It's the Mike Rutherford Show, Wednesday edition here on 1450 and 96.1. Big X. Swore I'd never compromise on what you can kiss me otherwise. I'll do anything. You see, in all my life, 
I've never found what I couldn't resist, what I couldn't turn down. I can walk away from anyone I ever knew, but I can't walk away from you. I have never let anything stop He got a new mercy, a new grace. Street corner preacher with the angry face. He got two years off. For good behavior, back in the neighborhood of working for the savior, there's two old ladies and a junkie now. Now he can see for sure that his work is cut out. Though he walks through the shadows, he won't fear his neighbor. Back in the neighborhood of working for the savior. Four, four o'clock hour here. Mike Rutherford show. Fourteen fifty nine. One the big eggs. The only thing that, that is kind of I don't even want to say annoying. It's not that big of a deal. This new studio that we're in it's the same building new studio we're just across the hall from where we used to be is it, it has gotten toasty in here they definitely they took the plunge and turned the heat on like two weeks ago mm-hmm. so it gets a little bit warmer in here so i've got the window open which is fine but you also have a lot of parents coming to pick up kids oh yeah and the kids are just like so i have every time like we're coming back i should like shut the window down because this kid is like ah, it, it's a lot of frustrated parents too i don't know if it's the school <laughs> but you have a lot of like parents who are just, like every single day all i hear is like i don't know we just, I'm like, you just picked your kid up. Calm down a little bit. It's fine. They're, they're kids. They're going to ask questions. They're going to get annoying. It's going to be okay. We're going to make it happen. I also now just see, I just checked on Twitter. Trending for me right now is, where is the FBI? Arrest. And then John Calipari, which I can only imagine is all about where, why is the FBI not arresting John Calipari? I'm not going to investigate, but it's fine. I think the SEC Media Day is going on today for basketball. Yes. Which is what I assume that's about. Wait, so does everybody have different trendings? Well, the trending is is overall, but they have like a what's happening page that's like yeah. it's just for you. So mine is Stars at Golden Knights. I'm I'm also I've got th- I've got that too. Okay. I'm with you on where's the FBI, but then I've got Cornell West and Jerron <laughs> Vandersloot. Uh well Jer- an insurrection as well. Well, you know Jared Vandersloot is the they he finally admitted to murdering Natalie Holloway. No, this is Duran Vandersloot. I guess that's maybe a, a relative? Helped him. Oh, he helped him? No, I don't know. No. <laughs> uh, oh, that's his name. Jaron Duran, Duran Vandersloot. Vandersloot. Yeah, Joran, Joran Vandersloot. Joran. Okay. Is his name. That's why, yeah. Uh, he admitted today for the first time that he finally he, he killed her. 2005. It was a big deal. Natalie Holloway disappeared. Man, bet he feels better. I don't think he does. Well, I think he does because he's apparently going to get away with it. He's, I mean, you have to if you hold something like that in that in yourself for so that long, and you finally release it and tell the truth. That's got to be so rewarding. I would but then you kind of. So. I've also never been a murderer. I've never, no, I've never killed anyone. I'm in the same boat, but I could imagine. <laughs> like I could just imagine how good that would feel. But at the same time, you're like, man, I'm a real jerk. Yeah, bludgeoned her to death. That's not cool. Not great. But it's part of his plea deal. He was, uh, I guess, he was what twenty when it happened. She was, uh, she was eighteen. Wow, big, big story back in 05. and now it's been solved, finally, officially. Let's. Uh, Thornton's text line is five zero two four one four fourteen fifty. Smooth transition there. Thornton's. I'm not gonna say. Thornton's is never gonna let you down. All you have to do to take advantage of the best deals in the city is to become a refreshing rewards program member. Very easy to do. Download the refreshing rewards app on your phone. Go to the App Store, search Thornton's, you'll find it in no time, and then you'll be able to save some money at the pump and save some money inside when you want a Thornton's Tasty Treat at any one of the area's 44,444 store locations. There's that many of them for a reason. They're great at what they do. That's 40,000 less than yesterday. Damn right. Uh, What happened to half the stores? It's always fluctuating here. (laughs) The point is there's a lot. That's all that you need to know. There's a lot of them. 
It's because they're good at what they do. Do all that and then text us at 502-414-1450. All right, Thornton's text line. It's Weird Wednesday. We're all over the place. Let us know what you got. Texter says, Scoots doesn't think that he had a Trevor-like ending to his night. He read Harry Potter on a Tuesday, so needless to say, he didn't get laid, so it was a very Trevor-like <laughs> ending to his night. You also did read, though. So. Yeah, that, that was my un-Trevor-like ending, because yeah. Trevor's not going to read a book. Trevor Trevor's going to binge all three mall cops. I, <laughs> I did like that. I There was one time where I was like, Trevor, name a book that's not a movie. And he it, it took him far too long. It, I think his first three guesses actually were all books that were movies. Like he was like, "Is that a movie?" I was like, "Yeah, it's a movie." In his defense, that's harder to do than you think. It's not. Name a book. I don't know that I could name a book that's not a movie. Really? Really? Yes, you could. I, I, I mean, mainly because I don't know that many books. Like in in all the books I can think of, I know definitively they are movies. Less miserables. Was that a movie? I but- butchered that. <laughs> Is that a movie? I mean, yeah. I think it's been made into oh, a film okay. many that's times. The, that's the only fancy book I can think of that's, that known, I didn't think was a movie. Known more for the stage, I'd say, than the, the, the big screen. But. I mean, I'm thinking of like Matilda. Matilda's been made a movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, James and the Giant Peach was also. Now I'm just trying to go down a raw dolphin. Man, that, that AR just did not help you. No, it, it did didn't. not set you up for great. So this is a long time ago. Uh, Texture says... What's the deal with Harrison Bailey? How did he come out of nowhere to leap over a couple of quarterbacks that were highly thought of coming into this year? Is it more about the backups playing bad or him playing well? My question is pretty much, what's the deal with the younger quarterbacks? I think it's a fair question. I, I, I think that it's it should not be a shock that the the two guys immediately below Jack Plummer on the depth chart are grizzled veterans in Brock Doman and Evan Conley, guys that have played here for, I mean, Conley seems like he's been here. He was, he was here for the first Satterfield year. And then Doman's been around for the last three seasons and has played uh, fairly large parts in the last two. So those are the two guys that are immediately behind Plummer. I do think a lot of people have been like, why Harrison Bailey's a walk-on? How did he jump both Pierce Clarkson and Brady Allen? Anybody who went out and watched the team practice in, in fall camp or talked to anybody who was out there, I think could tell you the same thing, which was Brady Allen looked rough. He's a former highly touted recruit, big kid, big arm, I think there's still a lot of hope for him moving forward, but he, for whatever reason, just has not acclimated to the college game well to this point. A lot of overthrows. He was always the guy in seven-on-seven or full-team scrimmages that seemed to be throwing the ball to the other team. He just really struggled. Maybe as he gets more comfortable with college life and the playbook, he'll settle down, but for right now, you can see why he's sort of the the low scholarship man on the depth chart. Uh, Pierce Clarkson, I, 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 I think he played better as camp went on, and I think the, the coaching staff was encouraged, I do think there's concern about his size and his ability to run the show in this type of offense uh, with, with that size and, again, a relative lack of arm strength. He doesn't have the biggest arm in the world. He does give you more of an option to be a dual-threat guy. I think that Brom really likes that. Bailey, I think what they like about him is he's got a cannon. Like, like he's, You saw what they did with Aiden O'Connell, who was a walk-on at Purdue, who his biggest skill set was he had a a big-time arm, needed some polish. They turned him into a guy who's an NFL quarterback. I think they look at Harrison Bailey and kind of think the same thing. They think that he hasn't gotten the right coaching at at Tennessee or UNLV. Those are my words, not theirs. And if they can get a full offseason with him, I think that they feel like he maybe is a guy that they could put on the field next year. I I think he just has. Look, he was a top 100 recruit for a reason. He He played as a true freshman at Tennessee for a reason. He has a lot of skills. He just 
has not allowed them to to show themselves just yet. And so I think that that's that's the reason why he's he is where he is on the depth chart. So we'll see what happens. My phone's not. I'm sorry about that. I don't. It's a very rare occurrence for me. My apologies. As far as what I think they do with the quarterback position moving forward, I do think that they're going to attack in the transfer portal. I do know they love Deuce Adams. They love the freshman that's coming into next year's class. They think that he has the chance to be a really, really good college quarterback. And so we'll see how that affects guys like Bailey and Clarkson and Allen moving forward. But the quarterback position, I, I think, is going to be very, very interesting to follow for the next couple of years. Texter says, reading that Snape plot twist after years of buildup was the coolest literary moment of my life, and Scoots yeah. just told you at 3 p.m. on a radio show it might as well have happened at Hooters in Jeffersonville. Telling you. That, that's a crazy twist. All big plot twists in my life happened at the Hooters in Jeffersonville. <laughs> Usually they're not good. So, this is fine. Texas, question for you both. What is one or two of your favorite albums or bands from the last five years? I already know that Mike loves the Last Strokes album because everyone should love it. It's true. Also, Peach Pit is amazing and Geese, which is a very unknown band. Scoots, I know you're a country guy. Who's my favorite band? Who is your favorite band? Yeah, if you had to guess. Um, Brooks and Dunn. No. Who? No. Who? My my favorite band is actually, arguably, they're not even country. I mean, they get played on country radio, and they do have a lot of songs that are country, but I feel like they're more of a rock band. Zach Brown. Okay. No question. I mean, they're... I have every single one of their albums. I used to I used to have like a six CD changer in my car, and when I would drive from here to Jacksonville, I would put six albums in, and I would just let them play straight. Love Zach Brown. If my wife is listening, she knows where I'm going with this. So we we famously on the show, we broke up for like a year and a half, which, again, I'll say it, I say it every time. It was the best thing that ever happened to us. We needed some time. We were young. We, you know, we were immature. But when we finally officially broke up, we were, we were the 20-something couple that was always fighting when we got drunk and just always like, you know, kind of like, toxic, very hot and cold. Very, yeah, it was, it was, it was bad. We were, we were young. We were immature. But we finally broke up for good after a Zach Brown band concert at the Yum Center. So mm. I, I feel like I have a, a bad taste in my mouth when it comes to Zach Brown. Man, I'm sorry. Sorry I brought him up. It's okay. It, it was a great concert. I had a good time. I just had a little, like I did back in those days, I had a little too much fun. I got a little too drunk, and I, I did some things that I, I probably shouldn't have. Easy to do at a Zach Brown concert. Those guys jammed out. Uh, as far as albums over the last five years that I really like, um, I do really like the, the last, this is going to be a, a, a giveaway answer, I like the last Jack Harlow album. I thought Jack Man was really good. I did not like the one before it. I love the the War on Drugs album from a couple of years ago. Uh, I don't live here anymore. I, I like them a lot. I like as far as like new music. This is gonna the I, I listened to recently the Olivia Rodrigo album, which I know is for like teenage girls. <laughs> it's very much like, it, but it reminds me of like late '90s, early 2000s pop. Some of the songs are very catchy. Like I I I, I find myself having those songs stuck in my head. It's, <laughs> it's a good album. I like it. Last album I really can remember like getting down with was the Carter three. I mean, I don't, I, there's no albums between then and now that I, that really stand out for me. I'm fine with that. Um, uh, Japanese breakfast Jubilee from uh, a couple of years ago too. I, I love that album. I think uh, Michelle's awesome. I think the entire group's great. So there you go. That's, that's my, those are my three that I'm giving you. Texas Mike. I heard on Spears today that John is going to be calling Bellerman games this year. Congrats to John. 
it got me wondering if that is something that you would ever like to do. Do you prefer talking about God knows what with TK and friends every day, or do you have a long-term goal to be more of a play-by-play guy or something similar? You can do both. You, you That's can. Actually, you kind of have to do both in this day and age. I, you, yeah, you, I mean, you have to do – I always say this. Every now and then, a some poor college kid will will send me an email or a text and be like, hey, I got your number from – like, like give me some advice for making – the only piece of advice I can give is you've got to be able to do – more than one thing really well. Like mm-hmm. you can't just be a writer. You you can't just be. I do video. It's got to be. You kind of have to do a little bit of everything. Even if you're. I mean, look at Bostis and Crawford now. Like guys that came up very much strictly print journalism, and then you know I think I think Rick was a little resistant to do blogs and online work and sort of quicker stories. But now they they they've got a podcast. They do video elements with WDRB. You have to be able to do a little bit of everything if you want to be able to make a living doing this. Uh, as far as, so I, I've only been approached to do play-by-play stuff or like the possibility. I had a cool opportunity a few years ago that I ended up having to to say no to, which was fine. Um, but I, I I have thought about it. It's if if it came up again, I'd be more than willing to do it. I mean, Scoots, you do play-by-play. It's, oh yeah. It's, it, it's still like it's very much a skill. Like it is not like an easy thing to do. You can't just because I do radio and you, know, you talk for three hours. It doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to translate into being a good play-by-play guy. It, it's a it's a learned skill. See, that's that's where I disagree with you. I think really? it is easy. I, sports talk for me is not easy. Producing on this side of things, it, it has its easy days, but for the most part, it's not really all that easy. But yeah, when I get behind a mic to do play by play, it's just, I, it's almost for me, it's almost like an out of body experience. Like I don't really even know what I'm saying half the time. Like it just happens, you know? You just black out for three hours and call a great I mean, game. I just, yeah, it just, that's how it works for me. That's how the greats do it. By the way, if you got any. Instances in the future where you got to say no. Just keep your buddy in mind here. I'll let you know. <clears throat> I'll throw you out there. Texas Scoots played more good music yesterday than Trevor does in a month. <laughs> I love TK, but man, the music gets rough. He does have some terrible music days. We've gotten to the point now too where I feel like you know we've been doing this for over two years, and I'm hearing some of the same songs like four or five times for the fourth or fifth time, and I'm like I I literally never hear the song anywhere in the world outside of this radio show. I don't need to be coming back to the five o'clock hour with the the slow love ballad from 1986 by whoever this is. Like, I, I, we we don't need to make this happen. I'll be the first to tell you. Spoiler alert: there is a song coming up, the second to last <laughs> song. It's always the five o'clock hour. I swear has been played on this show 15, 20 times. I believe, and he, he's like, hey, maybe it's been once. I'm like, this is I've heard this seven so- times, yeah. and I've, I guarantee You're, I've never you'll, heard it. You'll know exactly which one I'm talking about when it starts. But it's, it's always the five o'clock hour one. Texas says, did you see the Brom Twitter account and David Hale? I did. So David Hale and, and Andrea Adelson, I guess they did their ACC midseason awards. Like they, they announced their all-conference teams, which I, there was a lot of Louisville representative, uh, a lot of Louisville represented. Jamari Thrash was first team on the offense. Michael Gonzalez was an offensive guard. Brian Hudson was the center on the first team offense. And then defensively, Ashton Gelade and Quincy Riley were on the, the first team defense. Now, for the... Like the individual awards, they they put they they I guess they agreed on four finalists and they put it up to a vote, and so you had, um, Ashton Gelade won the ACC Midseason Defensive Player of the Year. Jawar Jordan won the Offensive Player of the Year Midseason, and then they had a I guess Brom won the Coach of the Year. Little fans definitely rigged this vote, which is fine, but they had a ACC non-affiliated MVP of the Mid-Year category which they had the Pitt Sadness Vase, the Duke V 
visitor lockers, which I don't even know what that's about, Miami's victory formation, and then the Bring Brom Home hashtag guy. And Bring Brom Home won the vote. So Bring Brom Home guy, his internet prowess knows no bounds. He somehow schemed himself to be the Card Chronicle person of the year uh, a couple of years ago, which drove all the readers of the site insane. And now he's doing it again to win conference votes. Wait, do we still not know who that is? I have no idea. But didn't he get caught? Like the first U of L football game, tweet, te- tweeting or texting yes. from his seat. Somebody allegedly, like, saw him texting or saw him tweeting. We couldn't was, out he, the guy. And apparently, he's keeping the secret. Like, I, guess, I guess he's like, yeah. What do you get paid off? Well, the thing is, like, you know, if I find out who that is, I'm I'm spilling the beans. I'm telling everybody. But what if it's like Joe Schmo? You're like, oh, you're the Bring Brom Home guy. He's like, yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm gonna Alan take Parker. Him. I'm gonna take him. I'm gonna take Alan Parker from nothing to Louisville fame. Maybe he'll get mobbed kid. everywhere he goes. Will he? Alan Parker's going to be a celebrity. I think it's, it has to be somebody that Patrick knows. <laughs> it has to be. I think it's still Patrick. I kind of do too. But he's he showed me his phone, and you can see where you have like the you can switch accounts to the and he wasn't on there. So no, he, incognito. I don't know how it works. I'm, I'm choosing <laughs> to trust him. Not really. I don't, I don't know. I, don't know. I, I trust Patrick as far as I can throw him, which is all the way over to ESPN Louisville <laughs> to 680, where he just left us. So. Texas uh, Pummy Bro One says, "What was your all's favorite fruit snack growing up? Fruit roll up, gushers, stackers. Let's get straight to business with a serious topic." I so the, the funny thing is, I'm like back in the fruit snack game because my kids are obsessed with fruit snacks. Sure. Yeah. So you know, we, we have the Welch's, we have the 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 Disney version. We, Virginia likes the princess fruit snacks because she likes princess everything. I was a big fruit by the foot guy growing up. Huge fruit by the foot guy. I also I felt like I was. I was very well known for having gushers at lunch mm-hmm. in, in grade school because everyone like gushers were basically like gold bars when you were yeah. in grade school for me, and like you only had like eight to a pack, and so all my friends would be like, "Can I get a gusher? Can I get a gusher?" And it was it was very much like you can get one today because you're my best friend, and like maybe Eric can get one tomorrow, but I'm not just giving away all my gushers. Like this, is, it was a very big deal if I gave you a gusher. Well, but, and that's why gushers for me is the easy answer because I. I just never really had them. You know, it was oh, so, so rare to have gushers that when you did, it was like, oh my gosh, these are freaking heaven. I did have the fruit roll up, roll up phase as well. They were okay, but nothing compared to gushers. I was very big into, um, I still, mo- more times, so Trinity did this thing where you, if you were like on a roll, you got to go to the lunch like a, two minutes early. Come on. Yeah. And, and so there, there were several semesters where I was not early to lunch, which was fine. But, you know, <laughs> We had a very limited time for lunch. I'm sure kids going to high school now feel the same way. And so I wanted to get my full lunch. So if I didn't have early to lunch, I always just brought my lunch from home. And I always had Scooby-Doo fruit snacks in in high school. Still love them. The blues were delicious. The blues were incredible. So I am partial to Scooby-Doo fruit snacks as well. They were great. Even when I was like 18, I'm like, yeah, I'm housing Scooby-Doo. I was a big uh, bring my school to bring my lunch to school guy as well. I was too. There would be times where if there was a lunch that I really liked, yeah. I would just I'd buy, I'd have like the you know, I would go and like, even if I brought my lunch that day, I'm like, oh, I didn't realize we were having beef stew was great. I like beef stew. Chicken, we had ours, double. ours was, we had a, like a Papa John's day once a week. And oh, I would, that's nice. I would a lot of times bring money for that. And then a uh, country fried steak. Nice. Oh, with mashed potatoes and a roll. It was so good. Texas says Garth may not be, but it's Chris Gaines on Spotify. Who's that? Chris Gaines. You don't remember the, the weird Garth Brooks alter ego? No. The, you don't remember the Chris Gaines era? No. He was like he performed on Saturday Night Live as Chris Gaines. It was super weird. Like he So it was Garth, he just went by a different name. He put on like a long-haired black wig 
and called it. He released an album as Chris Gaines. What? It was the weirdest thing. Like, nobody really knew why he was doing it. Nobody liked it. The music was not good. But he did it for like a, a four or five month period. He, like, was Chris Gaines. Was it the same type of music or no? It was, yeah, it was similar. But he, you look at look at the pictures. He had the, he made himself like this emo looking guy where he had this long black hair. Oh my hair. gosh! Yeah, that was that was Garth Brooks. He did the. That doesn't even look like Garth Brooks. I don't. And he released an album that was under the the Chris Gaines name. It was super weird, and everybody hated it. Nobody liked it. It was not cool. I don't know what his agent was thinking when they proposed this, but it did not go over the way that I think they thought it was going. Well, to. now I know what I'm listening to on the way home. Little Chris Gaines. Yeah, he's probably not on Spotify either though, because it's actually Garth Brooks. That, wouldn't that be something? What, if Chris Gaines was, but Garth Brooks wasn't? And that would tick me off so bad. Texas, imagine how bad Louisville would be if we hired Jerry Eves as our head coach back in 2001. Yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> there was a push by former players when, and, and this is really people talk about where did the rift between Rick Pitino and the Denny Crum era of Louisville basketball begin, and it's not that hard to explain. So the former players, as you would Yes, we're upset about the fact that Denny Crum was being pushed out by a relatively new athletic director in 2001. And that's totally understandable. I mean, the fan base was torn on whether or not it was fair to push Denny Crum out at that point in time. But the players who obviously sweat and and love Denny Crum and and played for him, they were very upset about this. And, And so when it became obvious that this is happening, George is going to get his way, Denny Crum is going to retire, the players were like, okay, Here's what we want, though. We want one of our own to take over this program. We want this to be to continue the tradition that we set in the 80s and all this stuff. And Jerry Eves was the guy that they they looked at and said, like, he's he's been doing some coaching. He he should take over this program. And Tom Jurich was like, cool, no, that's not going to happen. Uh, Jerry Eves, he, he'd been an assistant with uh, at Louisville for a few years before then and then was an assistant with the Hornets. He ends up getting the head coaching job at North Carolina A&T, and like, his record was, was not great there. There's no way around it. But Jurich was like, I'm focused on Rick Pitino. He's won a national title. He's a future Hall of Famer, for God's sake. This is a no-brainer. And so Pitino gets the job. He comes here, and the former players are very cold to him. They're upset that, that Eves didn't get the job or that somebody else that they wanted didn't get the job. And so Pitino is kind of like, dude, look at your program. You, you guys just won 12 games. I could go wherever I want. I've won national title. Everywhere I've gone, I'm, I'm going to Final Fours. I, I, Michigan would have given me a billion dollars. UNLV would have given me a billion dollars. The fact that you're not, if you're not over the moon that I'm here to save your program, like to hell with you. And that's kind of where the rift started. Is like, you know, Patino was like, I can't believe that anybody's not ecstatic that I'm going to come here and rescue Louisville basketball. And uh, that's, that, that's kind of where it went. But if we'd hired Jerry, maybe he would have done better here than he did at A&T. Who knows? But, uh, didn't the record wasn't great at ANC for sure? Texas says, judging by Payne, Eves, Branch, etc., maybe just make, uh, maybe just maybe XUFL players are better players and not as good as coaches. I'm just throwing it out there. Chris the Plumber, maybe. Who's the best former UFL player to be a coach? I mean, you can make the case that Chris Brickley is the most successful, and he's not even a coach. He's like a trainer. Like he's he's on he's in all the video games. He trains like. Carmelo Anthony and all, like, pretty much every big NBA star, he's done a hell of a job for himself, and he got out of coaching to make that happen. But as far as former U of L players who've gone on to be coaches, I can't think of like the most successful one. I'm sure there's been one, but it's not popping out to me. Not jumping out to me. 
Texas, get it right, Mike. The Simmons dude from Mail is not 5'11". He's 4'23". Putting the Simmons uh, measuring stick, 4'23 is is accurate. 5'12 and 4'23". He's got, he's got it. Texas, holy bleep, we have a Simmons College in Louisville. I did not know this. Join the club. It's only been around for, what, six, seven years, I think? Oh, that's it? Yeah. It hasn't been, hasn't been long. Texas, we're going to see Nightmare Before Christmas at Whitney Hall tonight. Should be fun. The Louisville Orchestra plays the music. It should be much better than the version last year at the Yum Center uh, starring Leanne Rimes and Kenny Payne. Well, that was, that's good. That's, that's a good time. Uh, I, I did see that they're doing that. My kids are a little too young for that, even though they're both – I mean, John is just into whatever Virginia is. Like, If Virginia thinks something's cool, John thinks it's cool. Virginia loves Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, we've watched it a million times. I think we've actually watched one of the videos where they do play the music and, and, like in a, and play the video in the background. So I think she might be into it. It's a little bit long for her, though. Maybe we're a couple years from now. But it'll be cool. I like going to see the Louisville Orchestra. We went a lot when I was a kid. It's a, I'm a nerd. It, it was good. It was fun. Texture says, let's be real, TK and Scoots are the weird people in radio. That's true. I don't think you're weird. Nah, I'm pre- I mean, I've got weird tendencies. We all do, though. Yeah. Everybody does. It's, if we didn't, we wouldn't be on radio. True. It's, it's fine. But, yeah, Trevor's... Trevor's got weird tendencies. That's fine. It's, it's okay. Texas says, let's say Louisville loses tonight. God, people, come on. Let's say Louisville loses tonight. Do we go ahead and activate the basketball version of the Bring Brom Home guy on X already? I mean, who would it be, though? Right. And, I mean, there's already an account out there that's like, bring Jay Wright home, which doesn't make any sense because this has never been home for Jay Wright. <laughs> so, and Jay Wright's not coming here. I guess if you want to say the Josh Hurd-Jay Wright relationship is enough to make it happen, then then so be it. But, like, I don't think that there's a – like that guy for, for Louisville basketball to a lot of people has been Kenny Payne. I think that there are some people out there that are forgetting just how much a – certainly not everybody, but a, but a portion of the fan base wanted him. You had people that were politicking every single day during the season to, to fire Mike Pegues and, and go ahead and hire Kenny Payne or hire Kenny Payne before the season was even over with Pegues running the show. Like, I mean, I think if, if, if there was going to be an account like that, it probably would have been bring KP home a few years ago. But right now, I mean, who do you want? Like, the fan base won't be unified on anybody. If you say Mick Cronin, first of all, it's not going to happen. He got the new contract now. It's He's almost impossible to buy out. Uh, he spent time at Cincinnati. Is that your Mick Cronin impersonation? No, that's my Louisville fans impersonation that don't want Mick Cronin. Look. I don't want him. I had it. It drove me crazy a while ago. I mean, I, I was dealing with Trevor every single day where I'm like, I'm like, what, what, like how are we, we're too good for Mick Cronin now? Do you not see what the product is right now? But, yeah, it would, it would have been nice two years ago to get the guy who's gone to what, three straight Sweet 16s now and been to a Final Four, but whatever. Uh, I don't know who the guy is. Like, I, I don't think that there's a candidate out there, like case in point, that we all would, ag- would agree on. Like, I, I don't think, you know, like if it's Musselman, I don't think everybody's agreeing on him. I don't think it's, everyone's agreeing on NATO. So I don't think that you could have an account like that because – there's no candidate out there like Jeff Brom that a overwhelming majority of the fan base is good on. Texture says, um, "So, what secret are you holding in that you need to get out, Scoots?" Hmm? I don't know. I don't know what that means. I don't either. Did you say something about having a secret, or is no. that is that a Harry Potter reference? I don't know. I don't know anything about. I, yeah, I don't understand. I don't get the text. Texas Mike, I think you would like Harry Potter. I think I probably would. I just I'm not, I'm not gonna. It's a good easy read. Yeah, I'm not going to go back now. Just it's it, it's time. It's passed me up. That opportunity that that window in my life has passed me by. I'm not gonna I'm not going there. 
Texas Olivia Rodrigo, good for you, is a banger. It like I'm telling you, those songs are good. Uh, the the one on the radio now, the Vampire one, is very catchy. The um, she's got five or six songs that you don't know or her until they come out after the song, and it's like I was Olivia Rodrigo, and I was like, wait, I was Olivia Rodrigo. She's everywhere. Like yeah. I mean, the driver's license song from back in the day was was fantastic. Like two years ago, the um, What's the one that I like now? The the, the one uh, Get Him Back is very very catchy. A lot of late teenage female angst, but it's still like, you can like it as a dad. It's fine. It's not weird. Texas, if TK was there, we could have asked him his opinion on the Palestine uh, Palestine Israeli relations. No, we couldn't. That's uh, <laughs> that is not going to happen. They're in war. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm not even going to pretend to know what he would say, nor do I want to. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, how about a little MI the Ale? We're going to play the game. We're going to let Scoots weigh in. It's going to be fun. We'll do it all right here on I was going to say I was surprised that this is on Trevor's Spotify playlist, but then I remember this is from, like, Walk the Line. So he's, <laughs> there's no song that I don't think that he picks up from anything outside of popular culture. So I guarantee that's why he asked. You mean Walk the Line like the movie? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, Trevor doesn't know anything about, like, musical artists after or before the late 80s, early 90s that haven't been in, featured in music or television. That's how he gets music. Which I'll, I'll be, like, the older that I've gotten, the more that I will kind of do the thing where if I hear a song, a catchy song in a commercial, I'm like shazamming it or like Googling the lyrics that I hear if I'm in a store. I'm like, uh, that, that's how I find a lot of new music that I like, which is pathetic. But I don't have a whole lot of time to be reading Pitchfork or you know, new releases or whatever's going on. At least you try. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've completely given up on new music. I like what I like at this point. I'm rolling with it. That's fine. Every now and then I'll, I'll, I'll catch wind of something that, that I, inspires me, and then I'll, I'll like give it a try, and I'll, I'll like it. And a lot of times I'll, I'll be like, oh, that's kind of catchy, and then I'll listen to the whole album. I'm like, this sucks. This is terrible. Kind of like uh, that Anthony Oliver guy. I don't even know who that is. But he had the uh, Richmond, North of Richmond song. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the rest of his album, eh, it's eh. I saw he tried to like catch Lightning in a Bottle again and release like, a similar song the next time, and it just didn't, didn't go over as yeah. well. When we did the, the show at the State Fair, the people in our booth were – having like a 45 minute conversation about that guy <laughs> like, like I, I was sitting here trying to just portray this guy like i'll he's like i'll send you a co- youtube to the video this it's incredible i was like oh my <laughs> god this is, get me out of here uh 502-414-4040 is the thornton sex line we'll get back to you in a second but we haven't done this in a while it's the perfect time because it's the the wednesday of bye week this is when we like to get weird no football game to talk about this weekend not a whole lot going on outside of the basketball exhibition tonight against simmons college so we have not played this in a while. I'm excited to do it with Scoots for the first time. I'm pumped. It's Am I the A-Hole. I've always wanted to do this. If you not don't know what we're talking about, there's a, a complete subreddit on the website, Reddit, where people tell stories, real stories from their life, we assume, and ask the question, 
am I the a-hole in this situation or you know, am I justified in behaving the way that I've, I've behaved? Sometimes it's very clear that they are actually the a-hole. Sometimes, no, they're, they're completely justified in, in doing what they've done. So we'll read to, I've not, <clears throat> I've seen the headlines. I've not read the actual stories. So I'm going in blind as well. We'll read these. We'll react to them. We'll see if Scoots and I agree, and we'll see if you guys agree on the text line as well. All right, here we go. First one. I, a 30-year-old male, live with my long-term girlfriend, a 27-year-old female, in a major city. My girlfriend and I live together in a major city to share costs. I only mention this to provide some information about how much rent costs. While we were both working, I paid 60% of the rent, and she paid 40% with the agreement that I would pay for all dates because I make 30% more than she does. My girlfriend has felt depressed with her career choice, so I suggested that she quit her job and take some classes to gain certifications in a career where she would, that she would like more. I agreed to pay rent and utilities as well as pay for her classes and give her some spending money, $300 a month. I'm lucky that I work at a good job so I can eat breakfast, lunch, dinner for free at work. I've also worked on additional projects so that I can work more hours in order to support the both of us on my salary alone. For the last six months, I've clocked in 60-plus hours a week. When we were both working, we split chores 50-50. However, I find myself burning out during the week and unable to clean. And on the weekends, she wants to spend Saturday on dates with us cleaning on Sunday together. We got into a bit of a fight because I said that I'm dying and I need a day on Sunday where I can just be alone or do something with my friends. She said she appreciates my help with her career change, but that since we both live in the apartment, we should both clean it. I don't think it's fair that she's home much more than I am and I make almost zero mess because I spend 60-plus hours a week at work. She said just living in the house creates a mess, and I should help clean it. Am I the a-hole? Mm. This is kind of a tough one. I think that it's – I'm not entirely against him. If she's home – and this is an, a gender roles thing. If the roles were reversed and she was working all day and he was home uh, for a, a long period of time, I would think that he would do more of the cleaning. But – I'm kind of with him. Yeah, me too. I don't, I don't think he's the a-hole at all. I mean, if if she's not paying rent, like seriously, if you're not paying rent, then you're paying rent and helping clean this place. And you don't have to do it all in one day. Just do a little bit on Monday, a little bit on Tuesday, a little bit on Wednesday, and then next thing you know, by Sunday, nice house or nice clean apartment, and I can sit down and watch football. Yeah, and, and you can— I don't want to spend Sunday cleaning our apartment. you kidding me? You can absolutely revisit this when— your career has taken off and you're working hours and he's working yeah. fewer hours because he's not supporting the both of you anymore. Like they, you can go back to the way that it was before. I think that's fine. But for right now, like if I was being totally supported by like somebody and I was at a point where they were having to work a ton more hours a week just because I wasn't working and I was home during that entire time, I feel like I would, I'd spend all the free time that I've got cleaning up the place a little bit, doing the you know. Well, that's what you should want to do, right? Right, exactly. You, I, you, it's a it's a way to make sure that it's an equal partnership. I mean, to me, she has two options here. She can pick up her portion of the rent back up, or she can clean the house. That's. A, I mean, it's not like he's asking her to cook dinner too. You know, he gets that for free at work. So it's like it's not all that much time. Yeah, I mean, I, and I, I'm assuming here that the time that she's spending on the coursework to start her new career is probably less than 60 hours a week. So she's got more free time and she's already at the house. So, yeah, I I, I don't think it's unjustified. I think it's fine. I don't think it's the a-hole. She's the a-hole. She's not even really the a-hole, but she's She's a brat. She's she's kind of in the wrong. Sorry, I had to clear the throat. Only thing I don't like here is the no cough button. We'll get get it back. All right. 
Case two. My little brother is 18. I'm 20. I'm staying with my family for the holidays and thought it'd be nice. It'd be a nice time, but I forgot that they treat me like a housekeeper. I do almost all the chores, and I don't mind if it's my chore. Obviously, if I notice the dishwasher's full, I empty it. If I cook, I clean up. If I make a mess, I clean up. However, if my little brother makes a mess, he makes me clean it up. If I refuse and tell him to do it himself, my parents, they side with him and bug me until I do it. My brother also asked me to cook for him. He pulls out brownie mix and is like, make this. And I always am like, sure, I can make that, but you have to help. He gets mad and says, I helped by taking out the box. <laughs> and when I refuse to make <laughs> stuff for him or tell him uh, to make it himself, he'll throw a fit and tell our parents. Lately, he keeps asking me to make stuff, and I get frustrated going back and forth about why can't he make bleep himself or just ask our parents. So I make the food he asks, but I always add stuff that he doesn't like. <laughs> Coincidentally, he hates a ton of stuff that I love to eat. So if he asks for brownies and refuses to help, I put nuts in it. He hates them, and I like them. He came over to eat the brownies and got mad at me and told me that he hated nuts and can't eat the brownies anymore. I just said, too bad, make it yourself next time, or help me and tell me to put the nuts. Uh, tell me not to put the nuts in. I thought he'd learn his lesson to at least help, but he keeps asking for stuff, and I just keep putting stuff in that I know he doesn't like. He finally got fed up and said he's not eating because I keep making stuff with stuff that he doesn't like. I just shrugged and told him to make his own food then. He told my parents, of course, and they just told me to stop being an a-hole and make the food for him. It was my last day at home, so I told them to make the food for them themselves if they're so concerned before I left. Now my parents are upset with me, and my brother is angry with me, and I'm wondering if I was being too petty. This is an easy one. Yeah, absolutely. Parents need to open their freaking eyes and realize that the younger kid's the a-hole. Like, what? Who acts like that? At 18? No. No. Come on. This is a this is cut and dry. No, if you were peeing in his brownie mix, you'd be fine. I'd be fine with that. Like this is yeah. that's ridiculous. What a little snob. That's a brat. Yeah. There's no if if it is that cut and dry and that straightforward, there's no doubt whatsoever that your brother's the a-hole. Easy. I mean, he must be getting a D1 ride to some big school to play some big sport if parents let him get away with that. Good that's grief. Bad. Yeah, that's that's bad. That's terrible. All right, this one is looks like this one's a little bit longer. Okay, here we go. So my husband and I just had a baby about 9 months ago. We've set a lot of unpop unpopular boundaries with everyone. One boundary that was set was to call before coming over uh, to our house because my husband is gone during the day, and sometimes the baby and I will nap throughout the day if we didn't get much sleep the night before, which happens often. We communicated this clearly to everyone. His family didn't try to come over in the first few weeks, but after then, they would try to come over at random times and called once they were five minutes away. Of course, I was asleep each time they tried, and they tried about three times, so I couldn't let them in because I was asleep and had no idea that they were here. His family was hurt by this. His mom only comes by now when my husband is coming home from taking his older sister from medical treatment because his mom picks her up and takes her back home from our house. She will usually just wait out in the car until he gets back home and won't come in when, she, when he does get here. She'll make an excuse like, I've been sick or I'm just tired, so I just want to go home. My husband is mad at me for this, but I'm not sure what I can do about it. We told her just knock when she get she gets here so I could let her in, but she just refuses to get out of her car. His family is also upset that I apparently don't let them hold our baby. I've never rejected someone in his family when they ask to hold the baby. I always happily hand her off when someone asks. After all, I want her to bond with her family. My husband said tonight that I should be offering. It never even crossed my mind that I should be offering. I love holding our baby. Offering isn't really a huge thing in my family. To add to the fire, I brought along my mother to my husband's uh, sister's quinceanera uh, about a month ago. 
and we all had fun, but they noticed that my mother was holding the baby a lot. My mom is constantly asking to hold her anytime she sees our baby. And like I said, I don't say no when people ask. His family took this personally and didn't even try to really interact with our baby after that. My husband and I ran into his mom today and asked her if she wanted to hold the baby. She rejected the offer and voiced that she feels unwelcome in our home and was oh, upset about my. my mother holding the baby at the quinceanera when she didn't get to hold her at all, but she didn't even try to. My husband took her side, which really hurt. All right, we're almost done. All of these concerns were voiced to me all at once tonight, so I didn't have context while they were all happening. I don't want to have problems with him or his family. They have actually done a lot for me. Maybe I'm giving off a weird vibe somehow to them. I know I can be super socially awkward, but I feel like my actions with my family versus his have been virtually the same. I just don't see how this could lead to them feeling so uncomfortable or unwelcome. Am I the a-hole? My gosh. A lot to unpack on that one. But I think ultimately, she's not an a-hole. I mean, she set boundaries. They said they shared all those boundaries. Call before you're coming. Yeah, and if you have a baby, I mean, how many times have you and your wife been with your kids and been like, oh, you want to hold him? Like, that that doesn't happen. That's not a normal thing to ask people. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, you I wait think, for people to come up and ask you. Yeah, usually. I mean, I think there probably have been times where I'm like, yeah, if you want to hold the baby, like, feel free. But it's not like. That's just when you're done with it. Yeah. Like, pretty, my, my back's basically. hurting a little bit. Can you take him? I think the husband bears some responsibility here. Because I, I agree that the wife is not the a-hole. It sounds like the husband is doing nothing to bridge the awkwardness between the wife and the family. Husband may be the a-hole. The husband kind of seems like the a-hole here because uh, he's siding with the family. He's clearly not helping because and, – and I totally get if you're not sleeping a lot because, you know, the old adage is you sleep when the baby sleeps. And Lord knows my wife did that. So she was sleeping at all odd hours. She's, she's up through the night. If the baby's napping from 1 to 3, like, she's going to be napping from 1 to 3. So I think it is a nice rule of thumb to say, if you're coming over, please, like, call ahead of time to make sure that we're not taking a nap because I would – I'm trying not to go crazy. I, I need the amount of sleep that I can get. So, like, I, I don't think it's crazy that the three times they tried to come over and she was asleep, she couldn't let them in. Like, that's that's fine. You have to call a little bit earlier. And then the whole, <laughs> like – you're not offering to let me hold your bed. Like, just ask. Like, like, what type of relationship does this this woman and her mother-in-law have? It's right. very, very strange. The husband has to step up. The husband has to be more of a communicator. Like, like, she's feeling this way. Don't just let it build up to the point where they're not coming into the house or they're saying, like, I feel like you hate me and you won't let me hold your baby. Like, like communication's key here. It's paramount. Right. I don't think the woman's the a-hole. Nope, I'm with you. And, but, and you're right. Communication, that's paramount in any aspect of life. And a lot of times... People have forgotten that. They have. I think the husband's the husband and his family seem weird. That seems like a, a weird thing to be all that upset about to <laughs> not express openly. Your family. Good lord. All right, this will be the last one. I love my wife. My I love my wife. Uh, I, I love my <laughs> wife. Happy Halloween. Halloween themed one. I love my <laughs> did Dracula write this? I love my wife very much. Uh we are from two very different cultures though. In hers, if a person needs something that you have, you give it to them. In mine, if you need something, you get a job, you get paid, and you buy what you need. While I earn most of our income, my wife runs a day home, takes care of our kids and the house. We take our money and we pay our bills, but some uh, we put some away from emergencies, our retirement, our kids' education, etc. We also keep an account for traveling to visit her family or to pay her mom and dad to come visit us. My wife has given away a bunch of my stuff because her family needed it. She gave my trekking backpack to one of her cousins because she needed, he needed a backpack. She could have bought him one for $30 at Costco instead of giving away my $400 backpack, which she promptly got stolen. The last straw was my laptop. 
I was away for the weekend at a friend's wedding that she did not want to attend. Her auntie was visiting and said that my wife's brother needed a computer for schoolwork. Since all I ever did was play games on it, she gave it to her brother for <laughs> university. I tried to get it back. She said it would be rude. I explained that the only reason uh, she saw me, all she saw me do with it was play games, was that it, I was that's what I was doing when I was home. When I leave in the morning and take it with me, it is to go earn money for a job that I'm paid for. She said I didn't have to talk to her like she's dumb, but she refused to ask for it back. I replaced it with money from the travel fund, which means we will not be seeing her parents uh, this Christmas. She's pissed. She said that I took money that belonged to both of us to buy myself something. I asked her here where the money should come from. Should I take it out of our retirement, our kids' education? Does she want me to, to replace the furniture since winter's almost here? I said I could cancel that if she wanted to. She said that I could have just put it on the credit card. I asked her to explain where the money to pay the credit card would come from. She thinks I'm treating her like an idiot. I think she needs to stop giving my things away. Am I the a-hole? No. That's ridiculous. What a funny situation. It's hilarious, but also what, what type of relationship do these people have? She's just giving away your laptop without asking you to a, a, a family member that needs to do schoolwork? That's ridiculous. No. Can't happen. I do like that he replaced it with the money from the parents' travel fund, though. <laughs> that was intentional. This seems like an odd relationship as well. Yeah, no doubt. Every time I read these stories, I'm like, how do these people, like, how do you get to a point where you got married? Like, like you know, I, I feel like like my wife and I had a very clear understanding of who we were by the time we were ready to get married. We like, we both really enjoy each other's families. We, you know, have the same kind of, like, like there, there were no gigantic surprises once we got married. And these people, it's, it's like, I feel like they didn't even know each other for two months until they got married. It's, it's outrageous. Well, and even if. You are just two different people come from two different cultures like this situation. You, By the time you get married, you would like to think you have that figured out, how you all navigate that moving forward. Exactly. Like, like I mean, Once again, communication. It's crazy. A lot of these stories always boil down to people who, I think, had to have been aware that these issues existed before they got engaged or before they got married and were just like, I'm sure it'll fix itself. And then, and then <laughs> I don't know if you know people like that where you've been to a wedding where everyone's kind of been like, this ain't going to <laughs> like, like I, I've heard the problems that you guys have. Oddly enough, that's some of my friends that have been married the longest. Really? Yeah. There, I, I will say this: there is one wedding that I've been to where I was like, "There's no way in hell, like, like no way." And they are very happy, and it, it's it, it has lasted a long time, <laughs> and it, it's great. But there also have been a couple where I'm like, "No way," and I've been very right, <laughs> and so you know. It's, it, you have to you have to work these issues out before you decide to spend the rest of your life together. It's a, it's a commitment, and you got to figure out what what you can do with your family. Anyway, um, those are four good ones. I like that. We have time for one more. Four non a holes. We have we have uh, we have time for one more. We got to get an a hole one. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe this one. Pick better, Mike. All right, here we go. I, a fifty year old female, am the youngest granddaughter in my family, and my cousin, who's a sixty eight year old female, is the oldest. She's always been the spoiled golden girl in my family, and I am the proud, eccentric black sheep. Her daughter, who is 51 female, is a year older than me, and it's always been shoved down everyone's throat how great she was. Her grandkids have received the same treatment. This happened about five years ago at my aunt's funeral. She was going on and on about uh, her daughter and her three grandkids, and then suddenly brought up the fact that I was divorced and raised my five kids on my own, and how they were doomed to have peanut jobs in life because they hadn't attended college like her daughter. Jesus. Now, I was the mom that when my kids each graduated from middle school, 
I had sat them down and explained to them that the next four years of school, I wasn't going to be after them as much about homework or extracurricular activities. If they needed my help with homework or projects, they were to ask me and I'd be there. I'd pay for their fees as needed to make sure that they got there on time, but this was pre-adulthood and I felt that they needed to start seeing what responsibility meant and that every action in life had a reaction of some kind. A lot of parents, including my aunt, thought I was just me being a lazy parent. So at a funeral, she made a comment about how her daughter had uh, went through, gone through community college and graduated, which was great for her, and I'm proud of her accomplishment. However, my sister, the, my cousin then looks at me and scathingly asks how my kids are faring in life with a lazy mom like me. Oh. And oh, by the way, didn't three of them quit high school? This is where I might be the a-hole, but I replied that my oldest, a 30-year-old male, had quit school and was now a supervisor uh, and, and third down from the CEO of a T foreign vehicle manufacturer. My 29-year-old daughter, female, who'd also quit school, was working at a property management company in Arizona as, as the personal assistant to the owner. And my 23-year-old female daughter, uh, who'd graduated, had just got promoted to business office manager in our local hospital. My 22-year-old daughter, who'd quit school, had completed trade school for carpentry and was now purchasing, remodeling, and flipping houses and was already making six figures a year. And my youngest, a 19-year-old son, who had graduated, was the night manager after three years at the World of Wally. The more I talked, the sourer her face looked. I then got an innocent look on my face and asked her how her daughter was doing after graduating from college with her associates in forestry. I hadn't noticed that her daughter had come to join the group until she spoke up and said that hasn't worked out so well for her, and she was driving a bus for a local transportation company. The daughter then asked if my oldest could put in a good word for her to get on with him at the cheap at the, the truck plant. My cousin then gets up and storms outside. My older sister pulled me to the side and said that I was an a-hole for bragging about my kids and actually making it good in life. I personally thought that I was just having a proud mom, proud, proud mom moment, but am I the a-hole? No. No, not at all. She was asking for it. Yeah, I mean, she did kind of egg it on, but I mean... I don't know. I think taking the shot at the end was was a little over the top. Kind of does make her an a-hole. I mean, the it sounds like the 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 cousin's daughter actually needed the help. I mean, it, it's a a little bit over the. If the story played out, this is where we need the the actual story as opposed. To, we're only hearing one side of it. If it did play out the way that that she's saying, where this person is always rubbing it in her face that she's better than she is, and you know she. You, yeah, you, you got divorced and you raised those kids on your own and they didn't make it through school, then I, I'm 100% fine with throwing it right back in her face. Like, my kids are more successful than yours. And, oh, by the way, if she needs a job, maybe the oldest can, can help her out a little bit there. I'm fine with that. But if it's if it's less just evil than that, if, if it's less malicious than that, which is usually the case when it comes to family drama, then maybe it's a little over the top. But the way that the story is laid out, I've got no problem with it. I don't think she's the a-hole at all. Yeah, I mean, I think I think ultimately, at the end of the day, she's she's not the a hole, but she definitely has a hole tendencies. Maybe, but also like you know, the question was asked, you answered, asked and answered. She sure. asked how your kids are doing that uh, didn't make it through school. Boom, I told you, they're doing pretty well. I'm mama bear. I'm protecting my cubs. I'm <laughs> fine with it. Uh, we've got uh, you guys have texted in with your thoughts on the Thornton sex line. We'll get to that in hour number five. I've also got a couple of football notes. Hour number five. I'm not signing up God, for that, I'm Mike. so sorry. I, I am not signing up for that. The way that you reacted, it was just like, <laughs> oh, I've been here for 12 hours already. I can't do five hours. Five more hours. It's just too much. The five o'clock hour uh, is up next. I've got a couple of football notes that I want to get to. An intriguing prospect who has opened up his recruitment. I think you probably know who I'm talking about. And another one that I don't think you know who I'm talking about. 
Uh, we'll then reset and get you ready for tonight's exhibition opener for the men's basketball team against Simmons College. It's all coming your way in hour number three. Five o'clock hours up next. Keep it locked right here. More Rutherford Show is on the way on 1450 and 961. The Gates. Well, I sat down to listen to the shoeshine boy, and I thought I was going to jump with joy. Slapped on a shoe polish left and right, it took his shoeshine rag, and he held it tight. He stopped once to wipe the sweat away. I said, you mighty little boy to be a-working that way. He said, I like it with a big wide grin. Kept on a-popping, and he said again, get rhythm. When you get the blues, come on, get rhythm. Yeah, this is the one I was talking about. I feel like I've heard this song on your show so many times. Well, he's Trevor's a big Sublime guy, yeah. and this is the, I, I don't think I'm wrong in saying this is the most famous Sublime song. This is the song that when I was in high school, all the like all the stoners just listened to this on repeat. <laughs> I remember we had like a we had a retreat program, and like there was a group of of just noted stoners who I, I liked. They're very cool guys, but they just at a Catholic school. At a Catholic school, my God, people at Trinity smoke unbelievable, weed. unreal. It's such a it's such a reputation for not being a stoner school, uh, but they they listen to Santorina approximately eighty five thousand times during the three days that we were we at the thing, which was fine. Whoa. I enjoyed the song, got a little tired of it, but it's okay. That's uh yeah. But Trevor has definitely played this, and I think a lot of Sublime songs multiple times over the years. Uh, Trevor is out. He'll be back on Monday. We got Scoots today and tomorrow. We'll have a little Gary in on Friday. I think also we're gonna have uh, Matt McGavick from Louisville Report. will stop in, spend some time with us on, on Friday. To get you ready for the weekend that will be in the world of Cardinal Sports and beyond. we got one more hour here. Uh, text us on the Thornton Sex Line at 502-414-1450. Before we get back to the text line, a couple of football notes that are out there. And, and I, I meant to mention this yesterday. I have not gotten around to it. This has been, this has been one that I've had my eye on for a while. So a lot of people are, are kind of focusing on Jeff Brom's recruiting for the 2024 class and saying, when is it going to pick up? We've had you know, the 2023 class was successful, but a lot of that was already in place when Brom and company got the job in December. And now you're six and one, you're nationally ranked. You had the big win over Notre Dame. People are expecting there to be a little bit of an uptick in recruiting. As of right now, the class is, I think, number 53 overall in the 24 seven sports composite rankings and number 13 out of 14 teams in the ACC. So you'd, you'd love, I think the staff is going to kill it in the transfer portal. I think that's what they're prioritizing. You'd still love to see a nice little bump in recruiting at some point. You may get that soon. The, the, the Joseph Stone, a.k.a. JoJo Stone, four-star wide receiver who had been committed to LSU since last summer, I always thought it was very strange. This is a kid that's committed to LSU, a program that has been, I mean, as close to wide receiver U as any in college football for the last decade and a half or so. But every time, like periodically, he would show up on Instagram or social media wearing a Louisville Cardinals chain and showing it off. And this wasn't like a, hey, it's an L. Maybe it could stand for LSU. It was very much the the U of L Cardinal Bird logo 
And he was you know, he visited here like like I'll say four or five times, but both unofficially and officially. He's been here a number of times. And there was this whole like, is he going to come here? If so, why is he still re- committed to LSU? This doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. On Monday, JoJo Stone officially decommitted from LSU. He is the number seven overall wide receiver in the 2024 class, according to 24-7 Sports. Um, Very quickly, there was a crystal ball prediction on one of the sites that was put in for him to go to Louisville. Uh, Florida is heavily pursuing him. Texas is heavily pursuing him. UCF is also a school that's in on him. But I think that there is some very, very understandable cause for optimism when it comes to JoJo Stone's recruitment. And he is a player that would bump that recruiting class up uh, nice and be a great weapon on the outside. You, you're going to lose Jamari Thrash after this year. He only had the one season of eligibility. You expect maybe some guys are going to transfer. JoJo Stone will be a, a weapon to have if, in fact, he does wind up signing here. But that's very, very good news, the fact that he's on the market and seems to be a guy that Louisville has a, a solid in with. That's the one piece of news that's out there that people know. See a guy who could come in and play year one? I think so. I, I think that he's probably that good. Now, he's he'll have competition depending on who sticks around because you're, you're going to have potentially Kevin Coleman back, Chris Bell back, Mario Huggins-Bruce has another year. Uh, we've got some big-time Jaden Thompson. you got some wide receivers down there that have not seen the field this year that I know that they're pretty confident in, but I still think he's a guy that would compete for playing time right off the bat. Now, I don't know if this is out there. Are you ready to make the message boards go a little crazy? Breaking Kids? news! We're going to, you know... Can't tell you everything, but we can we can we can throw you a little bit of a bone. There has been a a wide receiver name from the past that I believe is interested in reestablishing some communication with U of L. I can't say who. I'm not going to say if there has been communication. Guy who played at U of L. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying. But well, you worded that really poorly. A wide receiver name from the past. I worded it exactly the way that I wanted to word it. <laughs> a wide receiver name from the past. Might be interested in reestablishing some communication with you. Just, just keep an ear out. Just if something comes up in the next, I don't know, four months, just remember where you heard it. Gosh dang it! This is where my lack of knowledge on the recruiting trail really hurts. Well, me. I can tell you off air. I don't care about telling you. You're, you're fine. But you're gonna tell me, and I'm gonna be like, oh, okay. Well, yeah. who cares? I don't think you're gonna <laughs> say that. I don't think you are. But uh, keep an ear out. We, we, had, you have a football back on the practice field yesterday. They put a little video out saying back to work. I, I do think that for as down as people are right now uh, about the pit loss. I, I still think it's starting to, the fog is starting to lift a little bit. The That haze of depression is starting to go away. And I think by the time we get to this point next week, people are going to be back firmly on the, look, we're a top 25 team. We're going to be hosting another top 25 team. I think Duke will still be nationally ranked regardless of what happens this weekend against FSU. They're what? like I think they're like 14. They're not going to fall out of the top 25 if they lose to a top five opponent. Unless it's real ugly. And even then, like they're probably, we lost kind of ugly and we only dropped seven spots. what if it's like 52 to three you don't think they'll drop out eh, maybe in, in that case it'd be, it'd be close but i don't think that that's going to happen assuming that it's not a 52 to three blowout loss they're going to be a nationally ranked team coming to play us at lnn stadium it's only the seventh time that it's happened it, it was the sixth time that it ever happened for the notre dame game these games are still a rarity i think the fans will get back to being excited back to get it you know pumped up and, and saying we need to make this environment the way that it was for the notre dame game so Eventually, we're going to we're going to get back to looking at the big picture and saying we're six and one. There's still a ton to play for. You still have a realistic shot at making the conference championship game, but that goes away if you lose to this Duke team. So I, you know, we'll get there. But for right now, I think people are still kind of going through the process, 
and just enjoying the little bit of time that we have off. The, the nice breather that you get here in the middle of the season after being so focused on football. Well, and it couldn't have came at a better time anyways for just that mindset of the Louisville fan to get get some time to relax, get the loss off your mind. I'm with you. Right, so, I yeah, I do. I agree. Next week, this time, Louisville fans will be confident again. Did you watch any, uh, real quickly, because I, I want to set something up. Did you watch any of the, um, the the baseball last night? Not very much. I saw, I guess it was the first couple of innings. It was two to nothing when I turned it off. I mean, all the Phillies do is just rake and, yeah. and drop bombs. It, it, it is unreal. Every time that I turn one of those games on, they're just absolutely ripping a, a bomb, and that place is going nuts. I sent, I just sent you to your email, if you can, um, a clip from the, the first game. I thought this was very funny. It, Louisville fans probably remember a couple of years ago, a Sean Moth call went viral when Tommy Tanks for NC State, who ended up winning a national title at LSU this past year, he had a home run against uh, against Louisville. To I believe it was either a walk off or it was just a a bomb in the middle of the game. But Sean Moth did the announcer thing where it was the very monotone call where he's like, "And deep drive and it's four nothing uh, NC State." Like, like, he did that thing. I had not heard this until yesterday. So the the series started a couple of nights ago. Kyle Schwarber hit a leadoff home run against the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks announcer call. So it's like a minute long. He sets up all the enthusiasm of the Diamondbacks being in the NLCS, and then his call of the leadoff home run was absolutely hysterical. Here's the clip. So Gallon ready to go against Kyle Schwarber to lead it off. Schwarber, 4 for 25 this postseason, but always a threat up there at the plate. And there's oftentimes, Gandy, where he can really lift this crowd with a long home run to start a ball game. He's one of those leadoff hitters that really aren't expecting him to get a little base hit, try to steal second base. They're trying to get one run on the board real quick. And his first pitch is hit to right. one nothing Philadelphia. what I just say? One of the harder balls we've seen hit all season long. 117.1 miles an hour off the bat. And that was an absolute laser. Gallon tried to get ahead of him. And instead it was Schwarber who got the bat out. And makes it 1-0 Philadelphia just like that on one pitch. It's so funny. Like, so they have the other clips from the game because Harper hits a home run in the next inning. And they're like... Like, I don't think this is going to be a one nothing game. And, like, literally as he finishes the sentence, Harper, like, drills another one. And he's like, and now it's two. Like, it reminds me of, I told the story, the only MLB playoff game I've ever gone to was the game for Reds-Giants where they hit a leadoff, Angel Pagan hit a leadoff home run, and it just took the life out of the stadium entirely. It was the reverse effect. But I used to, don't get me, I, I, he absolutely had to be fired. But there is a part of me that misses Tom Brenneman on the Reds calls because when the Reds were bad, Nothing was more entertaining than having a like pissed off Tom Brennan call their games. Yeah, he would do the because he would do the exact same thing where he would be like, you know, it's a O two it's a three O count to Ryan Howard here. And if you've watched the last three games against the Phillies, you would know that Leak cannot throw a pitch anywhere close to the strike zone here. And there's a deep drive to right center, and folks, it's three nothing. And he'd just get quiet. He'd be like, I don't know if Mike Leak's gotten anybody out in three weeks. Like it would just be the funniest thing. Like, him being pissed off was always very, very enjoyable for me. It made watching Bad's Red teams get beat handily all the more enjoyable. But that was a great call by the Diamondbacks. That uh, that video, I'm I'm assuming it was synced up with the call, but I'm kind of hoping it was because old buddy said one o Philly, 
before it even, I don't even think it had reached right field yet. I, I mean, he, it was, I think he knew yeah. it was still flying through the outfield when he was like, eh, and one outfield. That was a nuke, too. 117, <laughs> whatever off the bat, is yeah. just an absolutely tattooed baseball. And they have been, I mean, every time, I, I, I swear, every time I just check on the Phillies game, you know, I was swimming back and forth a little bit last night. I, I had the kids to myself. Mary had, had, uh, had a dinner and she came home late. So I'm like, you know, watching Blippy and, hocus pocus and all this just stuff but every now and then I, when i got a, a, a breath to flip over to the baseball game i felt like the phillies were just always hitting a home run yeah and that was the one bet i made last night i was like phillies uh minus one and a half they were actually you were getting money extra money on that line i was like they're gonna win by more than one no you should have outlined it i should I really should have i should have just gone heavy but i felt good it was an, it was a nice little win i did not bet on the western game thankfully because that would have gone poorly because i think we both took we, we, we both said western would win but jack state would cover yeah and Jacksonville State ended up winning straight up. So mm. We actually would have made it. I only made one bet last night. It was South Alabama. I had a minus 10.5 in the first half. Wasn't even close. I think they were up 28 nothing at half. It was great. You're still doing better than Trevor, who has lost, what, 10 of 11 Conference USA bets, which Ooh. is an unbelievable streak. It's wonderful. Uh, we'll take some text here. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton text line. If you guys have thoughts on the MI, the A-hole segment, or anything else, we'll take it. It's Weird Wednesday. We love getting weird. We're going to keep getting weird. Texture says um, the Pearl Jam Gigaton album was very good. I don't even think I knew that Pearl Jam released a new album in the last few years. Were you aware, Scoots? No, I'm not a Pearl Jam guy. I'm not either. They're fine. Yeah. I've, I've told this story many times. Like Pearl Jam got ruined for me my freshman year of college at Dayton. We had, again, like small time. It's not like the, 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 these kids these days. They have these cathedral dorm rooms where they've got like the basically their own personal suites. We had the the, the small ass dorm rooms like the size of our studios right here, and paper thin walls right next to you, so that the the people who were right to our direct right on our floor were two kids from Chicago that were very Chicagoy. Like this was they, they were very loud, but they listened to Pearl Jam at like three in the morning every single night. And so we'd be trying to sleep. I'd have like a 9 a.m. class. And all of a sudden you see like, and I was like, I, 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 they're making me hate Pearl Jam single-handedly. And I still do kind of just because of those guys. Coffee and Distasio. Texas says the Duke visitor's locker is from Dabo, Dabo whining about having to walk across the practice field before the Clemson lost. That's right. That's the, that was the thing. God, Dabo is such a – as of now he's whining about the fan base. He's like – he had his, his press conference yesterday – He's like, we're such a bandwagon fan base now. Everyone expects us to go 12-0 and every single year, and if we lose a couple of games, we have fans jumping off the, the ship. Maybe we need to lose a couple more so we can thin out the heart. I'm like, Dabo, this is, the, this is how I know that you're done as a national title contender. When you're taking shots at the fan base, it's not, hey, it's on me. we got to win. Maybe you should go to church more. This, this is, yeah. At NIL he's, deal big, with, he's a big godly guy, right? He's a big godly guy. Oh, yeah. The NIL. By the way... Did I see? I thought I saw another nil thing on my way home yesterday. Is it Jawar Jordan? Does he have one real close to the Jack Plummer one? He's got one. And what what is his name on there? Because I was like Jaws. Jaws. It's a, it's, okay, it's a Jaws theme. So gotcha. he's got one. Ashton Gelade has one now too, where it says "Beware the hair." And there's a Jamari Thrash one. So you've got four player billboards. Yeah, I was. Home. I saw the Jaws, and I was like, "Who is that?" And I was like, "I guess that'd be Jawar." Yeah, yeah, that's him. Texas that I saw Nolan Smith at Kroger last night. He was wearing all Adidas, so at least we got that sorted out. It's a high nice. report. No G League gear. No G League gear. No Nike gear. He's rocking. He's 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 all bought in. I saw him at the Big Four Bridge a few weeks ago. He's looking great. Texas says uh, the 
bring whoever home guy needs to be bring Tang home. Think- really? That's the guy? That's the guy we want? Scoots, I think that's the guy. I think that's the guy. That's the guy? That's the guy that the rumors are out there about. And Jerome Tang? Jerome Tang. I, mean, I, think, I think he's got to prove that he can do it in year two. Because he took a little five foot five guy and rode his back all the way to the Final Four? We want Jerome Tang? Don't crap on Marquise Noel. No, I'm not crapping on Marquise Noel. I'm crapping on Jerome Tang riding on his tail feathers all season, and now we want him? We'll see. That's wild. That's a wild take. That's the that's the report that's out there. I do think there's some mutual interest out there. Uh, he, he signed a new contract with K-State after last year. The buyout number is not ridiculous. It's not going to keep a program like Louisville away. But we have to see how Kenny Payne does this year, and I think you also have to see how, how – uh, Jerome Tang does this year. Hmm. I mean, maybe he was a one-hit wonder. He took over a program in K-State that had been really bad and that was picked to finish last in the Big 12, and he turned them into a almost conference champion and almost Final Four team, which was very impressive. But he loaded up in the transfer portal again. If that's going to be his thing, I think that you see this year whether or not that's sustainable. Because um, like he's just going. He, look, he got it. He's put together a good roster for this year, but can he do it two years in a row? I think that's what people want to find out. If I'm a Louisville fan, and I may be a little biased here, but I'd rather have Dusty May. I think Dusty May's got the goods, too. I, I think that he the, – the question, though, is the program is so different than the level – now, he has had major program coaching experience because he was with uh, – Mike White is, is his guy. So he coached in the SEC. He's coached at a power conference before, but as an assistant. The pool of like, like what you have to do to be successful here and what you have to do to be successful at FAU is so totally different. But I do think that he, from a X's and O's coaching acumen standpoint, is elite. Like, well, I, I think he's great. Couldn't you make the argument that making a they got to the Final Four, right? They did. Yeah. So wouldn't making a Final Four at a school like FAU be the equivalent of winning a championship if you're oh, like yeah. a Louisville, Kansas, Kentucky, someone of that nature? For sure, but I don't think that you can say that it's a, it's a direct comparison. Like, like that absolutely, like making the Final Four is, for a program like FAU, and now being a preseason top 10 team, is unheard of. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that skill, doing what he was able to do at a program with so few advantages, is going to translate to... To Louisville. I mean, one of the big questions that we asked with Kenny Payne, and we asked about all the candidates when we were talking about this at length a year and a half ago, you know, how do you handle the pressure at a place like this? You know, there are very few sports-centric radio shows across the country that are talking about college basketball at all right now in mid-October. Right. And we do it, you know, whether it's IU, U of L, or UK around here, we're doing it 56 weeks a year. Like, like, like there is not a, a, a week that goes by where basketball isn't on our radar. How do you handle that if you're a guy that's never been in that position before? Well, I mean, that's why a guy like Dusty May makes sense. I mean, he's a he's a Hoosier. He knows what it's like in this area. He is, but he's it, familiar with how basketball crazy this whole entire region is. I think I, I think he's going to be a, a great coach. I think he'll do well wherever he goes. A power five job. I just think it's still a little bit of a risky hire. I mean, but there's no like fail. And safe Jerome hire Tang's out there. not. I, no, I, I'm, I'm with you. Like that's <laughs> what I'm saying. There's no fail safe hire out there right now. At, at least that's a reasonable option, I think, for U of L. But hopefully, we don't have to even cross that bridge. Hopefully, it's all going to get taken care of itself starting tonight with a big victory over Simmons. College. Just not fifty and a half. Texture says, uh, "BRB, bring Rick back." Well, that's not going to happen. That's we, we can do that all we want. We, you can have that account all you want. It ain't happening. He is very. He seems very content at St. John's. 
I do hate that he's saying all the things that I want our coach to say. It, it drives me crazy where he's like, we can win. We're set up to win right away. And it, it's all about winning. I'm like, it is all about winning. That's what I want to, that's what I want to hear. Texture says, bring Satterfield home. No, we're not doing that. Texture says, uh, the only the KP Mafia will be at the game tonight. Eh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I. How many are in the KP Mafia? It's a, a few, but proud. Like they are, the, they are loud. But it won't just be people that are staunchly in the corner of Kenny Payne. I, think, I mean, I have, I know people that went to the scrimmage, the red white scrimmage last week, who are very much on the side of like, I don't think this is the guy. I don't think this is going to go well. So, I mean, everyone's passionate about this. You'll, you'll see. Do I think the attendance will be great tonight? No, but I don't think it'll be like fifteen hundred people or anything. Put a like number that. on it. I bet it'll be like around nine thousand people. Okay, more than the red white scrimmage, but fewer than you would expect for a regular season game. Maybe I'm being overly optimistic, but I I think they probably get ten. Typically, these games are, are and again, what they announce and what's actually there are two different things. But yeah. I think that you'll have. I think it'll be about nine thousand. Although, will that will that be the case tonight? Because this isn't part of the season ticket package, right? So what they sell is what's there. No, I think it is. If you really? Buy, if you buy season tickets, I think you get the exhibition. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's this game so early though, and it's it's a week night. Who knows? Texas bad idea right by Olivia is also great. It's a, that's a catchy one. I like the All American uh, B word song too as well. I don't think I know any of them by name. That's okay. You're saying all these songs, and I know I've heard them all, but I have no idea that I'm not judging that. you. But seems like you're judging me. I'm not judging you at all. <laughs> I'm just saying I enjoy it. Texas says uh, Spotify radio feature can be a good way to find new songs. I do like back. When I first got Spotify, every now and then they would have like the, you know, the, the the rap caviar and the different like best new songs, and I did find a lot of new songs that way. I just don't have time. Like I'm, if I'm taking the dog for a walk, usually it's with the family, so I don't have the, the headphones in anyway. But if I am by myself, I'm like I'm usually listening to like a podcast now because I'm old. I'm I'm an, I'm an old dad. I do what old dads are supposed to do, and it's not listen to cool new music anymore. I'm done. By the way, speaking of new music, I searched for Chris Gaines on my Apple Music. <laughs> no such thing. It just showed up as Garth Brooks. Yeah, he's done. I think Garth realized very quickly that that was an error in judgment. Like the, the whole thing. I think he just wants to erase that from our collective conscious because it was. I don't know what he was doing. I don't know what he was thinking. <laughs> Texture says there is a Thornton's only a hour and a half away from Eric Musselman's hometown of Ashland, Ohio. So basically, that makes him a Louisville native. Bring the must bus home. He'll take his shirt off for you. He will. Spinning around his head like a helicopter. And I do think that we could have gotten him a couple of times <laughs> when we hired Mac and when we hired Payne, but I think it would have cost us a very pretty penny. We would have had to have – the second time, we would have had to have paid a lot. The first time, he really wanted the job. The second time, he was like, okay, but it's going to cost you because I'm doing, doing some big stuff down here at Arkansas. Texture says, these are the most one-sided Am I the A-hole story since you all started doing the segment. I agree, Texture. I know. I, I, I agree. I feel like 99% of the people are in agreement on who the A-hole is in these situations. I, 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 I got a we, bad batch. You did. You did. I hate that we didn't get more of like a, a, a debatable one because I, I picked them at random. They were the hot ones that were on the list, and they all were very much, I think, obvious. The only one that I think was somewhat debatable was the very first one. And even then, I was like, yeah, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty clear to me. Hmm. Uh, roll call text. Well, we, look, you can't text in the show from three to six. Roll we're call. Gonna, we're gonna read the roll call text. We're gonna. We're gonna. I'm sorry. We're gonna By the way, Roush, Roush is out the next two days, so get used to hearing me do the roll call. God, you are just. We're we're leaning heavily on Scoots. This Unbelievable. 
And it's not like it's the summer where people are taking vacations. It's October, for God's sake. This is the, we're in the middle, the very beginning of football, basketball overlapping season. This is the busiest time of the year around here. <laughs> and we got Scoots pulling triple duty. What's going on? I'll be all right. Roll call text. It's crazy to me that Cal's players are outperforming their draft slot has been spun into a negative. Well, I mean, it's a... I don't think it's hard to spin that into a negative. It's, I mean, it's good for, I guess, the program's recruiting. It's bad if you're a fan of Kentucky and you want to believe that John Calipari is a great developer of talent and a great coach. It's, I mean, it's not a great look to have to hear NBA people say, yeah, this guy that has been just average for one year in college is going to be a good NBA player because the coaches down there don't really know how to how to use them. Like, that's not great, right? Like, it's a very easy negative to come up with and there has that has been kind of going around in recent years i'm not trying to, i'm not being a hater i'm just saying <laughs> i'm just saying it's easy to spin it to a negative texas says basically every story today was my husband shot and killed a puppy unprovoked and i told him that was not cool am i the a-hole <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 very true <laughs> texas i can't help but feel like the uh, aita stories are always made up the situations always seem so absurd. If they are real, I can't help but feel like there are parts of the story that the poster is not sharing. I do kind of wonder about the narrator sometimes because mm-hmm. a lot of them do seem very one-sided, and I feel like there are there are parts that are being left out. And look, all we can do is just trust the internet that that some of these aren't entirely made up. I guess like everything's real on the internet. Everything's real. I, I mean, and this is me being just totally naive. But, I, I mean, who would go to the the length of time that it would take to craft that story? To, to who, Who's spending a solid 30 minutes writing a— Drafting that, yeah. A 1,200-word story that you're posting on Reddit. What's the end game there? Like, like you're, you're not going to get a book deal off this. You're not, you're not going to—like, just to have a bunch of people respond to it. And, and I know that there's stuff like that all over the Internet. People are making up stuff on, on Twitter. People are making up stuff on, on social media just for whatever reason. I just—I guess I just don't get it. I don't— you know, if it, if it if it's gonna for financial gain, sure. If you can find love, maybe. But like, if it's just to get attention on the internet, I who knows? I don't know. Wild times, Scoot, that we live in these days. No doubt. And what's the deal with these kids? What's going on with these kids out there? Who knows? Who knows what's happening? Texture says that AITA about the food could have been written by a ten-year-old. What on earth? That was the thing that I, uh, the whole time I'm like, and look, I, it's been a long time since I've been twenty or eighteen, but not that long. I can't imagine ever acting that way when I was 20 or 18. Like right. you're, you're you're essentially an adult. Like, I can't imagine acting that way if I'm 12. I, yeah. It's I mean there's a certain way you talk to people and didn't sound like old buddy did. Ridiculous. All right, let's take our last break. When we come back, we'll take some, as many texts as we can. Uh, I've got one more story that I want to get to and then we will preview the night ahead in the world of sports. It's the Mike Rutherford show Wednesday edition here on 1450 The big end.
Final segment of the Wednesday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 and 961 Big X. Minor, once we're off the air, uh, our sister station will have coverage of the UFL men's basketball exhibition opener, which is tonight at 7 o'clock. Coverage, I think, will start at uh, right after 6 on 970 WGTK, your new home for Cardinal Athletics. If you can't or don't want to listen on the radio, why would you not want to listen on the radio? But if you want to watch the actual stream, it will be available on stream tonight on Watch ESPN slash ACC Network Extra. Very easy to, to find that. You should be able to make that happen. I, I looked this up because I was, I was talking to Scoots. We were talking about exhibition games and stuff. And this seems like such an early exhibition game for any college basketball team. I didn't realize. So Indiana, they haven't even done their Hoosier Hysteria event, which is sort of like their Midnight Madness event, is Friday. Like they, haven't even, they haven't even done it yet. Nope. Their first exhibition game isn't until a week from Sunday, October 29th, when they'll play Indianapolis. And then they'll do... They'll do what we usually do, which is the exhibition game on the weekend of Halloween, and then the second exhibition game just a few days later during the week. They'll play Marion on uh, November third. That's Friday night, and then get ready for the season. They open up against Dunk City, FGCU. Come on, in Bloomington on Tuesday, November seventh. That'll be a day after Louisville's opener, which is against UMBC on November sixth. Both kind of opening against some uh, some former March Cinderellas here. By the way, Gucci Mane gonna be at Hoosier Hysteria. Gucci Mane's gonna be at Hoosier Hysteria. No big deal. Okay, I like that. I didn't realize Mike Woodson was such a big Gucci Mane guy. He is, yeah. And last year we had, I cannot remember the guy's name for the life of me, but he was a big big rap guy, too, that all the kids are loving now. He was from Chicago. Oh, Herbo, G. Herbo. Never I've, heard of him. I've never heard of him either. But apparently he's hot in the streets. G. Herbo. <laughs> okay, well, whatever. I'm, I'm familiar with Gucci Mane. Mike Woodson's got it. Hey, by the way, speaking of the, the uh, Louisville broadcast tonight, yes. uh, fun story. I was doing the Midway Bellarmine fo- sprint football game a couple weeks ago Okay, out at Midway, and the PA guy sounded just like Paul Rogers, like to the point that I had to take a break during our halftime of the game and go up to him and be like, has anybody ever told you that you sound just like Paul Rogers? And turns out he was, oh, Paul's a real good friend of mine. But they were pr- probably about the same age. So, wow. yeah, it was really, it was real neat hearing, instead of Paul Rogers on play-by-play, hearing Paul Rogers on a PA was, was can, really something. I can see Paul being a good PA guy. He's good, yeah. He has a voice for all seasons. For sure. Yeah. He's got a voice that I think would translate to anything. Um, that's funny. That's, that's cool. Also, by the way, forgotten that we had uh, Louisville had moved to 970. And I think it was the Pittsburgh game on Saturday. I was trying to listen to it on my way home. I had to, I was out at my nephew's baseball game, and I turned on 790, and it's not it's some garbage. I'm like, what is where's Louisville? What the heck? And I was like, well, maybe I got the numbers wrong, so I go to 970. Sure enough, there it is. Great company, man. Yeah. Come on, Scoot. I've only had it for two years now. Yeah, I forgot. Come on, it's okay. Five zero two four. I don't seek out Cardinal Athletics <laughs> all that often on the radio. Five zero two four one four fourteen fifty is the Thornton sex line. You get about twenty minutes to get your thoughts in. If you want to have them heard before the end of today's show, we'll get to as many as we can, and then we'll look ahead to uh, a little bit of sports on on the tap tonight. We got some football, we got some baseball, we got some WNBA finals. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll come talk, on. We'll talk. We'll talk. Do they play seven? They play five. The, why? Why do they play five? It's a good question. They should be playing seven. Every championship game series should be seven. I agree, with the exception of the Super Bowl. I ag- agree. Although I wouldn't even mind the Super Bowl being best of seven. Totally agree. Uh, Texture says, "Is Rick Pitino?" Not getting fired at U of L, the biggest what if in the history of Cardinal basketball. If not, what if? Um, before I answer that, is, is there an Indiana basketball what if that stands out to you as a fan that you look back and you're like, if this had just happened, if this had been different, then it changes 
a decade's worth of, of, of Hoosier basketball. Yes. Um, gosh dang it. I can't think of the guy's name, though. It was the late 90s, early 90s, maybe. Indiana was having a heck of a season, and one of their guys got into a car accident, ended up getting paralyzed from the waist down. He's still to this day. He's in a wheelchair. But that was a really good team. I want to say that was the 92 team. He was a really big part of that, and, yeah, it didn't amount to anything after that. But, I mean, in my in terms of my lifetime, not really. I mean, I would say Romeo not, not sticking around longer, but he came back for a second year, which nobody thought he was going to come back for a second year. So I, I can't really even give the Romeo example. Maybe Oladipo, if he comes back for a senior season, what, what that could potentially turn into. But that team, the year after he left, wasn't all that great. So maybe they don't run into Syracuse in the Sweet 16 in 2013. Yeah, that's yeah, a that's a good one. Him. Anytime we match up with Syracuse, unless it's a national championship, we lose. I feel like I mean Louisville, not shockingly with everything that's going on, has a bunch for yeah. a reason. The one that always stood that I always heard about growing up as a kid was the the Terry Howard free throw in the 1975 Final Four that essentially like they lost to to UCLA. You know, he he'd only missed one the entire year. He misses in the final seconds. UCLA comes down, hits the game winner, and that's it. If they win that game, they play Kentucky for a national title. And you know, we don't think about the dream game the same way. Like that's that's the dream game. It's UK versus U of L at a time when they're not playing for the national championship. And I think U of L, according to most people from that area, was the the better team and probably wins that game because UCLA ended up beating Kentucky fairly handily to win the title. So that's a big one. I think recently, I mean, obviously Patino not getting fired is is a big deal. Um, 2014, if you don't have to play Kentucky, do you possibly go back-to-back? One that I think that that maybe doesn't get talked about as much right now as it should, and this is uh, clearly one that affected every team in college basketball, but what if Louisville got to play in the 2020 postseason? Because there's been this rewriting of history where people are, are, are like, it's been a bad six-year run for Louisville basketball, right? It, it's just been... Mm-hmm. You know, they're trying to lump what's happened with Kenny Payne so far into what happened with Chris Mack and what happened with the David Paget season. And I get why that's easy to do. It has not been a run that's been up to Louisville standards. The only year they made the NCAA tournament was 2019. They haven't won an NCAA tournament game since 2017. Basically, since the Katina Powell stuff broke, Louisville basketball has been a shell of its former self. But I think that there's now this perception that the Chris Mack era was just this ab abhorrent failure, abject failure, and it was right from the beginning. From start to finish, he just sucked, and it's not really the case. You know, he comes here, and, like, Louisville overachieved in year one. They were not projected to be an NCAA tournament team. They made the tournament easily as a 7 seed. They spent a lot of that year ranked in the top 15. Now, they, they played really poorly in their one NCAA tournament game, which sucked, but they still, every Louisville fan at that point in time saw that season as a success. And then Mac, under the, the cloud of the NCAA, goes out and gets a top 10 recruiting class, gets six guys that he feels confident in. You, not many of them panned out, but at the time, people were happy with the job that he was doing on the recruiting trail. And then in year two, I mean, Louisville starts off red hot. They're number one in the country in December. And I still think that even though that team wasn't playing that well down the stretch and they had been a, maybe a slight underachiever, they were still projected to be in that three, four, five seed range. And they had a lot of offense. If they had, you know, the, the day that the earth stopped, they were going to play Syracuse in the ACC tournament quarterfinals. They'd already pounded Syracuse. It was not a good Syracuse team. I don't think they would have had much of an issue winning that game. And then, look, we saw it firsthand in 2012. When a team gets hot in the postseason, 
it can completely overshadow all of the shortcomings that it had in the months before. Let's say Louisville goes to the conference championship game. Let's say Louisville wins the ACC tournament, gets a three seed, goes to the at least the Elite Eight. That takes a lot of the heat that Chris Mack would get 12 months later off him. Mm-hmm. If Louisville's coming off of a conference tournament championship and a run to the Elite Eight or Lord knows, like potentially beyond, then him being the first team left out of the COVID year NCAA tournament when all that stuff had gone wrong and it was kind of a wonky season anyway matters a lot less. There's probably no pressure on him to fire any coaches, which means no extortion, no FBI, no suspension for him. Gaudio no, audio. Yeah, no, no Gaudio audio. No, no, you know, having to get rid of Luke Murray, who promptly goes to UConn and wins a national title. That seems like an error in judgment now in hindsight. Like, none of that stuff happens. And also, like, I mean, Chris Mack never recovered from being pressured to fire the coaches and then getting suspended for taping those conversations and then withholding some stuff from the FBI. He felt like he wasn't supported from that point forward. There was no trust. His heart wasn't in it anymore. I think he was surprised that Louisville fans were upset as they were about being the first team left out of the tournament in 2021. And then from that point forward, it was a precipitous fall. So, I mean, you go from feeling pretty good about the Chris Mack era in early March of 2020 to, bam, because we don't get a chance to see that play team play in the tournament, everything falling apart just like 15 months later. Yeah. And I think, it, you know, who knows? Maybe we would have flamed out in the ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament, and this, the, the next two years would have gone exactly the way that they did. But I, I'll always wonder what would have happened. Like I think there's a world where Chris Mack is pretty successful here and we avoid a lot of the the negative stuff that has come up the last couple of years. By the way, it was Landon Turner who I was talking about, okay, and that. he was on the 1981 team. He was expected to be the big cornerstone of the 82 team, so Indiana should have – they were expected to go back-to-back. I remember the name. Yeah. Obviously, we weren't around for that, but – And then I, so Isaiah Thomas left after the 81 season, and he was quoted as saying after Landon Turner got in a car crash that if he would have known this was going to happen, he would have never left Indiana. So, That's yeah, that could have changed the whole thing. And now I've I'll, I've got an actual one for you that happened in my lifetime, and that is Maurice Creek. What if he stays healthy? He was a freshman and dropped 31 points on Kentucky, went toe-to-toe with John Wall in that game, and then I, I think it was less than two months later he tore his ACL, tore every ligament in his knee, really, and just couldn't stay healthy after that. He did go on to have a pretty good career at George Washington, and now he's – He's still playing ball all the time. He's lifting trophies. He's winning most valuable players and all these tournaments he's in. So, Mo Creek. Yeah, good to see it for Mo. Those are both those, those are good what if. Yeah. Texture says 502-414-1450. So Mike's saying DJ Moore is transferring to Louisville. Interesting. Well, who are we going to give to the Bears for that trade? <laughs> Bears will take anybody. I know who you're referring to. <laughs> Texture says Devontae Parker's coming back, according to Mike. Yes. We're making trades for now, NFL players. It's going to be in a player role, right? Yes, this, okay. is a, this, this is a play. Okay. Texture says, if it's DeAndre Moore, talk about the Josh Chichester turnaround jumper versus UK. I don't need a reason to talk about the Josh Chichester turnaround jumper versus UK. It was the greatest moment in Louisville basketball history. I'll talk about it regardless. Texture says, I thought that Thrash was only listed as a junior on the roster another year. Is he? I thought that he came here as a after playing four years at Georgia State, and which I guess he could technically have a six-year. That's like, I guess that's true. Yeah, He and Jawar Jordan, I think, I guess technically he could come back. I know Jordan's listed as a junior. Go to your number system, Mike. They're both fives. They're both fives, which 
drives it does drive me crazy. <laughs> I, we're almost done. We're much, almost done. We're so close. As much as I enjoy things like getting potentially a six year of Jawar Jordan or Jamari Thrash, I'm so ready for it to be back to being like, okay, he's got four years yeah. unless a red shirt, and then it's just five. And that's it. That's it. Occasionally there'll be a medical red shirt guy, but that's gonna be a weird thing. Cause I just can't keep track. Like, are you really a sophomore or are you like a, a guy who's played college football for five years because i can't tell anything. 23 year old sophomore I mean, you've got 27 year olds playing for memphis this year in basketball this uh, that, that's I, i'm ready for it to be isn't virginia's kicker like 37 well yeah but that's a different deal yeah. he just yeah. like, like the, the memphis kid who's playing on the basketball team this year i mean his first year like donovan mitchell was playing college basketball when he <laughs> when he was a freshman in college that should not be happening texas jordan watkins coming back i, I wouldn't hate it texas says thanks for bringing up the tommy tanks call mike i still didn't get that link yet I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I, don't know, I, don't, I don't know what that's referring to. <laughs> Texas Mike, how do you what, let your oh this is an angry guy? How do you let your kids watch Blippy? Didn't he get famous by pooping on people's chests and eating it? What? N- he didn't get famous. But there, he does that? Blippy got famous by being a kid show, and then people went back and found out that he had. He's one of these people that was he was trying to do anything to get internet famous, and one of the things he did like the Harlem Shake, and then had it. I guess it like pooped on it, a friend's chest or had a friend poop on his chest. It's gross. I'm with angry guy. You shouldn't let your kids watch that. <laughs> well, we're not <laughs> we're not watching that part. The the children's show. We're, it, it's almost as bad. Blippy sucks. Blippy is terrible. Yeah, it is terrible. It's awful. There's the only thing that we watch is there's a Halloween song that John really likes. Virginia hate does not like Blippy. There's a Halloween song that John is like Blippy Halloween. Blippy Halloween. And then <laughs> yeah, we've we've lost John. John's obsessed with candy corn. It's all he wants to eat now. Wait, how old is he? Uh, he'll turn two. In oh, a week. okay. I was about to say, he's already saying Halloween. I thought he was closer to one. No, he, he's, he is technically one, but he'll be a week from Friday. He will turn two. But he's uh, Texas says, quote, wrote a five foot one guy to the final four. Sick burn, Scoots. Hey, I'm five foot five. I got four inches on that clown. Marquise Noel was a beast. <laughs> he was. I, don't, I mean, honestly, it's a, uh, it's a compliment to Jerome Tang more than it is a ripping of him. Texas, CNN, and MSNBC lie all the time. Chris the Plumber. <laughs> Getting political again. <laughs> Texas says, nutrition slash farting is much to blame for Texas A&M struggle. I've seen this. I, I saw this uh, on, on Twitter earlier today. There is a, I, I guess, a post on Reddit that I'm assuming this person is being earnest when they say this, but the A&M loss to Tennessee over the weekend. This, this guy says, that was a very difficult loss for the Aggies. Not many people know this. But Texas A&M has hired a new nutrition coordinator, and they utilize grains much more than protein. The theory is that by eating more grains, the players will have more stamina. The problem is what they are ingesting causes gas, and is not typical uh, every. It's not typical everyday gas. This is chronic, and it leads to a lot of problems, including fatigue. Several folks with inside knowledge of the program have told me that this is a real problem, and the players have complained about it. It is an intestinal issue. And that type of gas is not normal. When you have players passing gas literally every play, that's a problem. I think you could all tell in the fourth quarter that the Aggies were struggling. The training table and nutrition nutrition is vital to any team's success. There it is. So Bad. are they just getting Kashi bars? Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Bad gas. I mean, Bobby Petrino's got to be at the heart of that. Let's hope their practice facility's outdoors. The thing is, too, like if, if Petrino was smelling nasty farts, like you know he wouldn't be able to, to keep quiet about it. He'd be like, I'm, I'm done with this. He'd already have quit. He'd be, maybe he already has. The weird thing about the A&M team is you've got Jimbo, who's this offensive genius, and Bobby, who's this offensive genius, 
And their defense has been great. And their offense has kind of sucked. Like the offense definitely cost them the game against Tennessee. It's a maybe it is the the farting. Who knows? Texture says, What hotel does Justin work at? I'm trying to get the deal that he offered, but you guys never mentioned which hotel for obvious reasons. Thanks. I listen every day. Um, I'll reach out to you on the text line. There you go. That's a, that's a nice thing to do. Texas, maybe you already spoke on this, but man, I'm sour. Rick being a monster, and we can't even get the better masterpiece on. It's a link to a the guy sent a link to the the Rick Patino quote from. Oh no. Uh, oh, this just happened. Did you get caught? No, Ian Jackson, the the UNC player who had been such a huge recruit. Uh, there's a breaking story. Well, this, I guess this isn't technically being reported, but there's a rumor that Ian Jackson is going to flip from UNC to St. John's. It's all but what? done now and will happen a number of factors. We'll see. If that does happen, then yeah. I'll be, I'll be a little bit oh my, Ricky's going to be stacked up there. Texas says, I would love to know what all went down behind the scenes during the Mac era. Uh, I mean, I can tell you what down, what down behind the scenes during the last part of the Mac era was not pretty. It was a lot of fighting, a lot of ugliness, a lot of uh, gross stuff. I mean, I don't. The, the first two years, you didn't really hear much about shady stuff happening, and the the last two, it was more about just everyone being pissed off all the time, and that leading to a lot of tensions flying. And the, I'd heard the Gaudio thing when it happened. I hadn't heard all the details, but I'd heard that he had basically printed out a list of stuff that he thought were infractions and said, you know, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna come after you. And then just it went away, and I was like, oh, cool. Like that, that he never came out. And then what? boom, it's the FBI stories out there. What's Dino doing now? I, buddy, I couldn't tell you. Because I, I, he's not working in basketball. I know that much. Well, I mean, I think he really messed up his career because he was phenomenal on TV. He was great on TV. Yeah, he should have stayed in that route. And he's a very well liked person in, in basketball circles. Like he was the quintessential nice guy. I think he just kind of lost it in this situation. And look, one fit of rage can wind up costing you your entire career. I think that's exactly what happened here. But I mean, you can't bring Dino Gaudio on your staff now. Like he, he ratted the head coach out. He, he, he tried to go to the. He tried to extort the head coach. It's terrible. Texture says, uh, wait, John's birthday and mine are both the Duke football weekend. That means guaranteed W. We're doing, thankfully, we're doing the John's birthday party this weekend. So we can capture the bye week because we're crazy people and, and Louisville matters a lot to us. So we will do John's actual birthday will be next Friday, but we're doing the celebration of his birthday this weekend. Which, avoid any football conflicts because last year was the Wake Forest game and it was terrible. Texas, could you imagine lining up against AM and a 300 pound lineman just rips ass? <laughs> I still like, hope the wind's going the other way. To back that statement up, we had a we had a a football coach when I was growing up, who this was like flag football, and the coaches would come out and they they would like tell you the play before, like it wasn't like when you started playing tackle and you had the the plays run into you. But this coach, and looking back on it now, like he's probably like my age when this happens because I was nine or ten. And he probably was had been like drinking the night before and was still like hungover. Had some like he ripped a fart in the huddle that still to this day like I had to like gag not to throw up and people were reacting to it and he's like grow up kids and I was like oh my god I'm like like I think about that fart to this day I can't imagine how it would be with three hundred pound like twenty one year old just rip like I wouldn't be able to play I wouldn't be able to handle it I had a I worked at a restaurant when I was living down in Jacksonville and our general manager at the time he was probably. He's probably close to 60, if I had to guess. I just remember him. I was working a lunch shift one day, and I remember him. He was wearing tan pants, and he came up to me and a couple of the other workers, 
And he goes, hey, guys, luckily it was right next to a Goodwill. He goes, hey, guys, I got to I gotta go to Goodwill and get new <laughs> pants. And we're like, wait, what? What, what? what happened? He's like, yeah, I tried to fart. And oh. yeah. And then so we watch him walk out the door. And sure enough, he's got a brown spot on the back of his tan pants. I'll never forget that. Having, But old- he drank a lot. Well, that'll do it, too. Yeah. Having older half-brothers that were like teenagers when I was very young, it led to me getting a lot of inappropriate advice as a very young kid. And one of the ones that I still remember and have held, held near and dear to my heart to this day was my brother telling me when I was like seven and he was like 18, never trust a fart. <laughs> I've always thought about it. I've lived my life with that motto for the, for the 30 years since. You haven't figured your body out by now what's good and what's not? Uh, I mean, I, you can kind of tell before you release. You can, but every now and then I've been surprised. We're like, whoa, <laughs> nope. We can't, Not so fast. We can't let loose with that one. <laughs> That's going to end poorly. Texture says, uh, stop waiting on Kenny Klein's tell-all book. It's going to happen. Kenny Klein could write the best book ever. Kenny Klein would have, uh, of all the people that have stories, I think Kenny's probably got the best. Yeah. And I would love to read it. I just love Kenny Klein. If it was a boring book, I, I'd read anything that Kenny Klein does. Same. He's the absolute great guy. Texture says, uh, did y'all read my text over the last 15 minutes? I mean, maybe. I don't know. Let's see here. <laughs> y'all know I listen to the show religiously every day. My wife knows I listen to the show religiously every day since two radio stations ago. It's an institution of my everyday Monday through Friday. My wife calls me just a few minutes ago. She's making small talk, being cute, asking how my day was. And she goes, I guess you're trying to listen to your show. And I said, oh, yeah, I, yeah, I am. Am I the a-hole? <laughs> No, because you're listening to the Mike Rutherford show. She knows from three to six every day. She knows what you're doing. I do love that she can tell that you're distracted, and she's like, "It's that damn show." <laughs> I can't tell you. It happens less now than it used to because I, I, you know, I think the side appeals to a, a different demographic than it did when I was like in my 20s and 30s. But I used to. There would be times where we were still, when I was young enough to like go out, and we'd go to bars, and like a couple would come up to me, and, and the, the guy would be like, "Are you Mike Rutherford Car Chronicle?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure," and, and he would introduce his girlfriend or his wife who would just hate me. You could just tell. She's like, he's like, every day, she's like, are you on that damn Chronicle again? Like, all these women just despised me for taking up their, their, their boyfriends or their husband's time, which was, yeah, it was, uh, it was bad. Texture says, LOL, my boyfriend knows that if he calls me from three to six, he better make it quick because he's interrupting the radio show. Quote. Look at this. See, we appeal to all demographics here on the Mike Rutherford Show. Love it. You're damn right. Um... Can't read that one. Texture says, oh, sure, Mike. You think you know someone, then wham. You get a tire gauge for Valentine's Day or hushed when that godforsaken lullaby show comes, song comes on. You don't know my pain. Just kidding. We've been married almost 30 years and still have fun and love each other. I love the couple that, that text the, the text line about each other. The one that got a tire gauge for Valentine's Day was wonderful. Uh, we've got uh, sports on TV tonight. We've got, uh, we've got a little bit of baseball, a little bit of football going on. If you want to wager, you can do that now. The MLB, I think only one game tonight. The The Phillies and the D-backs are off until tomorrow night, but at 8.03 on FS1, we've got Astros-Rangers game three in Arlington. Texas leads the series 2-0. It's a Javier versus Max Scherzer Ooh, for the Rangers. Scherzer's first game back. Scherzer's first game back. Javier's already pitched once in the playoff. He's 1-0. Pitched well. Scoot who you got here. I'm going to go with the Rangers. I think Astros get game four, but I think the Rangers win tonight to make it 3-0. Yeah, I, I keep saying, I think I said yesterday that I think the Astros are going to get two games, and it's going to go six. I think the Rangers win tonight. The Astros take two, and people are like, ooh, are they going to do it? And the Rangers 
shut the door in game six back home. So I'll say I'll say Rangers get up three nothing. It's been a I mean, the Philly stuff is fun, but overall it's been kind of a boring playoff so far. Mm-hmm. Um we've got uh NCAA football tonight as well. You love a little Wednesday night action. Florida International on the road taking on Sam Houston. That's seven o'clock on CBS Sports Network. And then at nine on ESPN two, New Mexico State is on the road taking on UTEP. We'll pick that game. NMSU is a three-point road favorite in El Paso over UTEP. Who you got here? I'll take UTEP. I'm taking the Aggies. I, the only reason I feel confident in Mexico State is their coach, after they lost to New Mexico, guaranteed that they were going to go to a bowl game. And since then, they've been pretty good. So I say they win. They cover. Um, let's see. I don't think we have time for anything else. Oh, WNBA. Give me the aces. Okay. We got we to do the cards. 86-52. Cards win. Uh, 88-51. Cards roll. Let's get it done tonight. Go Cards. Beat Simmons College. We'll see you guys tomorrow right here at 3 o'clock. Have a fantastic week.